You are in the mix with DJ Micah Telex, bringing you the freshest Cata Jungle hits from across cyberspace. Time to get corked. The, the context for this episode is very much that there is kind of a um, what feels like a kind of blossoming new psychedelic renaissance kind of there's that uh, new Netflix documentary called uh, How to Change Your Mind which is based off a book of the same name um, which I've oh, Michael. yeah 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 which I've um, I've read the book it's great I've actually on just before we did this I actually finished up the third episode of the documentary um, and it's really a fantastic documentary. I highly recommend it. Beautiful. Mm. But, but yeah, no, the, the fact that something like that is like on Netflix, like right now, is like it. It, it feels like there is definitely a a kind of emerging a new renaissance of research, and I think there is a kind of counterculture thing that's going to be accompanying that at some point. And I feel like. For, for a variety of reasons, some of which are personal, I feel like I have a uh, responsibility to kind of endorse that and do what I can to give it some momentum. I don't know how you feel about that as much, but because I, I think that you, you I think we're, we're both, um, we both appreciate kind of the benefits of psychedelics, but I feel like you are a little more, not necessarily cautious, just not as enthusiastic as me, which is fine, because like I, as I've said, I'm extremely biased to the the personal um, benefits that it's given me, and I'm completely open about that bias, so. Mm -hmm. No, I think that that's, um, I think that that's great. I do, I am, as you know, sort of wary of, like, an over, over, I think there's certainly, like, a, a rigorous um, spiritual and personal element to psychedelics, but I'm wary about, I'm wary about, like, a, ascribing a specific vision or, or hallucination a metaphysical um, rigor, um, and I think part of that comes from the fact that I was I was raised in like a, a hippie community with like a lot of like new age um, sort of, um, but new age, but also like sort of neoliberal people who, uh, you, you know, like the kind of white people who um, like uh, appropriate Hinduism in like very um, surface level ways. Mm. Um, and so I guess that makes me sort of, I'm I'm just careful about that in general. But I definitely think I, I that I definitely think that um, 
I definitely think that psychedelics um, uh, uh, can sort of be be a, 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 a tool or like a, a pathway to intense and fantastic spiritual and 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 meaning meaningful whatever um, whatever that that term means in a broader sense of experiences for sure. I guess I guess I guess all that I'm trying to say is that I'm I'm more on the slightly skeptical side um, because I um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. But but I don't I but I don't disagree with your with your viewpoint at all. I think it's I think um I think your viewpoint is, is very rigorous and I do I don't um I don't I don't I don't consider you to be um uh, adjacent to those those hippies necessarily mm. at all. Yeah, no, I mean I, I, I have my I I have I have like a kind of distance between myself and the hippie thing because like on one hand, I do find myself kind of leaning into the vibe and aesthetic of it, like the the whole love everything kind of thing, and like getting like a tie-dye hoodie and shit, but I, th I think a lot of the kind of more on-the-nose New Age stuff, especially like, e even though it's like separate, like like healing crystals and stuff, the, the, the kind of more excesses of that kind of hippie, liberal, kind of watered-down version of New Age-ism is just... It, it's it's just like nah, I'm not I'm not vibing with that part of it. Um, I mean I mean like no no diss to you, but if that is what you're into, but I feel like kind of packaging that in with like the kind of broader psychedelic thing, it feels like the the messages that like you do acid once and then you're into like healing crystals and stuff, and like that's just not how it works whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely. But um, so I guess the the main uh, focus of this. Um, is more so kind of uh, sharing our own experiences, I guess, and kind of as kind of like a, a demonstration of kind of the uh, potential, I guess. And but in in a in a sense that obviously that everyone's experience is different, and what we're sharing is certainly not representative of the universal experience in any sense. But I think that's really a given. Um, I, we we haven't really decided who's going to go first. Um, so, uh, do you want to go first, or what do you want to... Uh, I guess it depends on which stories. Are we each going to tell two stories, or three stories? Or um, well, I was going to... I was Because originally, I think you said you only had, like, two. And I was going to go for, like, three, so it'd be, like, me, then you, then me, then you, then me. But, um... I mean, I was going to start with just my first one, really, and then kind of Perfect. then the one around the middle and then the the most recent one so that kind of gives the broadly the kind of arc um so i now that you have a another under your belt i don't know how you're going to approach that but um i'm um I yeah yeah so yeah i have three i definitely want to talk about my my dmt experience um and then I have my first shroom experience and my second shroom experience. I think my, which was my recent one. I think my first shroom experience is more interesting than my second. Um, well, I mean, if you if you want, I can start us off with with my first one while you decide which order you want to have yours in. That's up uh, to you. Com completely up to you. I mean. Um, I think that you should start with your first one. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the f the one that I'll start with, um, it there there isn't so much a, it's not like a, a, an insightful one so much. It's it's more of like an amusing story. Um, 
so the the first one would have been um, late 2020. Whenever whenever we have Labor Day here, so so for context, this would have been my uh, last year of high school, um, and for context, in Australia we have like a uh, an end of year exam thing called the HSC. So I think this would have been like a, a month before those exams started, and my friend in one of my friends uh, invited me and my then uh, partner to a house party that he was going to be hosting, um, and he he said, yeah, this is going to be uh, drugs and stuff, because cause I'd, I'd been kind of open that I wanted to try it for a while, and like, because he'd been into, he, he was like one, he was like the friend that, you know, people went to for like weed and stuff, I think everyone has one of those friends. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so, so we went over and, um, he had rented out this, um, this apartment, uh, I think uh, half an hour away from where he lived, um, so it was like the um, so the apartment place he had just like a two two story um, I, I guess not a room um, I don't know what the term is for like a like a house in a block of apartments it's just an, is it just an apartment is that I think that's, yeah yeah so it was a uh, uh, two stories um, so the bottom story uh, you like come in there's like a staircase upstairs on the left and then. On the right, there's just like a chill room, and then you go through. There's like a living room, and then the kitchen, and then upstairs there's like a a sliding door that goes onto like a, a balcony that looks outside, and then there's like a weird like L-shaped kind of connecting room there, and then at the end of that there's like this a, a, there's like a sh room that went that is like no no uh no windows or anything and when you close it uh it's it feels like it's a sensory deprivation room because like if you just turn off the lights it goes pitch black it just feels completely disconnected from everything else um <laughs> so that was something we messed around with later but I'll, I'll get to that um so so we get there and um it's basically just like a celebration party we had one of my other friends uh djing playing like house music and stuff and, um, so we get the, a bag of stuff, we get, like, a, a joint and, like, a, a full tab of acid, but since it's the first time, it was basically, like, take half and now and then see how you go, and then if you're going alright, take the other half later. Um, so I'd take the, uh, the first half, um, me and my partner do, and I think we don't, and I also, I would like to preface this by saying that I cannot attest to the quality of these tabs because I only found out like a few months ago that the the friend in question wasn't storing them properly. Because I think the, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like there is a, a entirely correct way to do it, but my understanding is that the best way to do it is freeze them or else they kind of lose their potency. Um, oh, I so I, it's entirely possible that those tabs could have been uh, mid as fuck, uh, but I don't remember because it was so long ago. I mean. I've had now I've because I've had like proper trips, but on like two tabs, so like I can't like compare like what half a proper tab is compared to that, because because acid scales exponentially. It's not just like twice or double or whatever. It scales exponentially, so it's not like I can compare whatever the first half tab was to like trying proper tabs on like two of those, you know. Um, so so I don't notice anything for like. Uh, 
20, 20 minutes, and I'm just waiting for something to happen. Um, because, like, my friend's DJing in the downstairs area, so there's, like, a, a bunch of, like, laser lights and stuff. So I'm just like, alright, so I, I leave that room for, like, a few minutes. I just hang out in one of the other rooms. I think, uh, one of my other friends brought, like, a VR headset, so they're playing, like, um, I think Beat Saber. And I think I tried that for a bit, and I was fucking shit at it. So then, uh, I just hang around there, and then I go back into the main room with all the laser lights are. And I'm just like, oh, okay, there it is. It was just, everything was, like, super bright and, and intense. Um, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to describe it. I think the, that, that is the main problem when trying to communicate anything about, uh, psychedelics, is that the actual trip is very difficult to kind of convey in words. Um, yeah. I think the, the way that I described the first one was that it felt like being kind of trapped in, like, an adult swim skit, specifically, like, I, I compared it to, like, uh, World Peace, you know, Sam Hyde's show, because I used to, like, watch that a lot back in the day. But I think that it, it was genuinely that vibe, like, everything just kind of felt, like, off in this really kind of surreal way. And, like, mm -hmm. each, each kind of room had, like, a different, uh, kind of feeling or energy to it. Um... I think that, I think one of, aside from like the, the lights looking very different, one of the, the, one of the things that I immediately kind of picked up on was kind of like the, the depth perception gets fucked beyond belief. Cause like I went to the, the fridge in the kitchen to get a, a drink and I kind of like reached into it. I'm like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> like I, I don't remember what specifically about it felt off. But I just remember realizing immediately, okay, my depth perception is fucked. This does not feel normal whatsoever. Um. <laughs> that will happen. Yeah. 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 The way that it plays with central perception, mm. I think, is very interesting, and it makes me, um, it makes me think about um, pheno the phenomena noumena disjunction and um, how much of how much of our central how 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 um, blinded and flawed our central perception may be. Mm. But also maybe how how that how there are things of value in our central perception and the, the value, the potentially um, rigorous, ri the potentially rigorous connection to the real hidden in aesthetics. Mm. Um, yeah, that just, that just makes me think of that. Um, um, I think one of the weirdest fucking things that happened was like, like I, I, before I said that every, every room kind of had something different about it, like there was a different kind of effect on how I perceived it. I think one of them was that, I don't remember where, I think it was mainly in the kitchen, but like, it felt like the kind of, like the only way I can describe it is like the aspect ratio of how I view things changed. Like usually, yeah. usually, usually like when, when people look at something, I mean, you know, broadly speaking, we kind of see things in a, in a rectangular-ish kind of thing. Like the, like, or, you know, like the widescreen 16-19 aspect ratio. But I think when I was in, like, the kitchen or on the stairwell, the kind of... It felt like I was viewing things for, like, the, the more, like, square, like, 4 to 3 aspect ratio, kind of. So I think that was partially due with the, the more enclosed area compared to, like, the wider rooms, like, the living room and stuff. But, like, that's, like, the, the closest way I can describe, kind of, the difference between, kind of, perceiving those spaces. 
That's very interesting. Mm. Um, that's very interesting. So what happened next? Um, so th- there's going to be a few details missing because this happened overnight. And I think as anyone who has an LSD trip will tell you that across the several hours, there are going to be a few details that are a little blurry or just not there whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but I can absolutely give you the gist. So um, uh, we, went, we went upstairs for a bit. Um, we we hung out in the the sensory deprivation room. Um, we decided, oh hey, would it, wouldn't it be funny if we we turned the lights off and just hung out in complete darkness? But I got freaked out really quickly because my my partner had like um a, a black shirt with like the face of the, the 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 main dragon from How to Train Your Dragon toothless on it, but it had like <laughs> but it had like glow in the dark eyes. So like they start like flicking the lights on and off really fast and like the eyes are just like glowing really menacingly and actually freaked me out real bad. Um, wow. So we had to turn them back on. But yeah, no, like I'm not even joking when I say it was like a sensory deprivation room. Like when we went there with the door closed, it felt like that room was like the only room in existence and outside of it was just like nothing. Um, so we just hung out there. Um, I was hanging out there with my with my partner and his ex. Um, who I don't remember if they were, I mean, my partner was high, my, my partner's ex, I don't think they were. Um, I don't remember what we even talked about, I think that he was, he was like, he was like saying that he was like a little hung up on, you know, him dating me, and that like he was fine about it now, and then I was like, yeah, it's, I was like, I was completely fine with it, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have any weird feelings towards you whatsoever. But, like, I went on about it for, like, a really long time. It's like... <laughs> I don't know, because it's like... Because I, I, I don't know if it, it... It probably doesn't come across in this podcast, but in real life I am uh, very introverted, and I don't really talk much. Whereas my partner is kind of the... Not necessarily the other way around, because they're not that extroverted, but they're the more talkative one. But when, when we were on acid, the dynamic completely switched. I was like, just, just go on about stuff for for however long and he would just mainly just be quiet for the whole time um so I, I, I was probably just saying like the same basic sentiment just over and over it just worded slightly differently for like 10 minutes or something um um so anyway so that so you know it was going well for a, a while um <laughs> I think things kind of started going slightly wrong <laughs> for after a while because the the party host my main friend uh was off their fucking face, basically. And we had a rule that, uh, because, you know, it was like a party thing, we had like uh, smoke machines and all that, so we had like pretty much all the doors and all that closed. It's basically, once you leave, you're not allowed back in. Um, so, t- so a couple of people left, um, but they left their stuff there. Mm-hmm. So, they, so they tried to come back in, they were like knocking at the door and stuff. And uh. because the party house was so blazed out of his fucking mind, like we thought the police had showed up or something. That's 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 the sort of the risk you take when you enter that mm. alternate headspace. Something I feel like something something that you can normally ha- handle becomes very very stressful. Yeah, and then I, do, I don't know why, but I think the DJ had to like step in and work things out. But that meant he had to turn off the music. So like suddenly mm. the music was off, and there's there's a vague sense that something is up. Mm-hmm. So like like slowly, there's just like a slowly creeping energy that something is going wrong in the body. Um, 
And like, I, I took it relatively well, because we had like a, a protocol basically that um, if the police did show up, it's basically just go go and flush or whatever you have left basically. Um, so I, like, as soon as I realized that something was up, I was like, okay, I just like immediately went straight upstairs, grabbed the, the joint I hadn't used yet and just basically flushed it. So like, even, even though I was like freaking out a little, I basically just took control and was basically, okay, you know what, I'm following the protocol, I'm doing this. But no, my, the worst part about it was that I think that I had only realized that something was going on when I had, was starting to have my second tab. So it'd been in my mouth for a few minutes. <laughs> for some reason I thought that, oh, I'm gonna get in so much fucking trouble if the police come in and I've got it in my mouth, so I fucking swallowed the second half of the tap. So I didn't I didn't get the uh, I was gonna get the full experience, but I didn't because I was like, oh shit, the police are here, better swallow my tap. <laughs> well, this was your first your first time, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so man, that that I think it's I think that that's a great first time then, because it's like you're not you're not going too intensely just like immediately, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think I think it was also a good sign that even when I was high, I was still able to realize, okay, this is the follow, follow the fucking protocol, basically. I mean, but I, I think that might just be that's something that seems to be a recurring thing. Like, like without getting too ahead of myself, on my last trip when I was my most recent one, when I was on two tabs, I had one of my friends. Uh, who's much more experienced than me, they were basically saying, I have no fucking idea how you can stand up and walk on that. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously I was still only semi-coherent when I could talk, but I apparently the fact that I can stand up and actually make some some sense when I'm on two tabs is impressive. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think you have, I think you have a strong, um, mind because you're well acclimated to openness so perhaps that has something to do with it it, it might be because it's, maybe it's simply physiological maybe it's not maybe you have a strong uh, strong phenotype <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it is the a psychological disposition because i think i've i've mentioned before i think that i've never had a bad trip and i've had like uh i think seven or eight at this point and i've told wow. people i've never actually had because that's not the same as saying that I've never had a trip with bad moments, because I have, but I think a bad trip is differentiated in so much as it is a trip that you just do not enjoy overall. Um, or you just, you know, you do like, ah, oh, that trip wasn't worth it, basically. Which I've ne I've, ne I've had trips where I've been like the, the only person in a room who's having a good time. <laughs> and I've, I've been completely aware of that, I'm still having a good time anyway. <laughs> Do you feel blessed in that moment? <laughs> well, you know, I, I felt like a little bad about it, but it was just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna like drag myself down, you know. I'm just gonna, that's just, very... I'm just gonna keep vibing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very, um, that, you know, you know. I think one of the things that I, and I, thought that I just had, it specifically in thinking about like, I feel like in, in terms of when I've been, I've, I've read this somewhere, but I, I also. Um, it also sort of backed up by my experience. A big, you, your mind is very suggestive, mm. and uh, if you feel like something is starting to become a bad trip, you can sort of just like affirm, um, and like the scary things don't necessarily go away. They don't go away, but you you sort of you sort of it's sort of like um, an instant of like um, potentially uh, uh, sort of code switching 
or that maybe that's the wrong term. But codes, code switching in the Deluza Gratonian sense, switching from like a, a potential like slave morality code or a code of like you are a victim of these horrifying um, forces to this um, uh, more master morality code. Right? You, you're like, um, you feel love. You, you affirm. And mm. you're, you're, I'm, I'm here and I'm doing this and it's going to be good because I'm going to tell my brain that it's going to be good. Mm. Uh, I feel that that, that can work. That, that's, that suggestivity. Mm. You're more open to... Um, but I wouldn't say it's as it's. I'd say it's not. I don't mean to say it's as like meaningful or rigorous as like a a, a Nietzsche and overcoming of slave morality. But it's almost like sort of like a, an echo of that. Yeah, I uh, mean, happens instant on psychedelics. Yeah, I think the. I mean, I mean, personally, one of the the advice that I was told and I've kind of, kind of, worked with is that you basically just go with the flow. You don't kind of struggle. You you don't struggle against it. Like you don't see yourself as kind of. I get, like you said, you don't, it's not like you're a slave to the experience. You just kind of affirm and kind of lean into it. Like, you let it happen to you. Um, yeah. There was, um, I'll skip ahead a little bit to um, a separate trip that I'm, I'm not going to cover as one of the main stories in this. Um, it's kind of in between the, the main three that I want to cover. But there was one instance um, where the... I don't. I don't remember why. I was probably thinking about politics too much on it, but um, I had. I had like a, just a, just a really like depressive like kind of wave sweep over me, and it's just like, it's just like you know, the world is going to shit. Uh, there's no point to it. Um, I should just like kill myself. And it's just like it's. And I was just like freaking out a bit because it's like okay, this this could potentially just go like a complete downward spiral. But I was just like okay, no, I'm just I'm just gonna just let it wash over me. I'm not gonna, like... Because cause the more I was, like, struggling against that kind of, like, build-up of negativity, the stronger it kind of felt. So I just kind of, like, stopped. I just kind of let it wash over me. I was just like, okay, yeah, I should kill myself. And then just, there was just a moment of nothing. And it's just like, oh, well, I haven't done it. I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm still here. And immediately after, there was, like, just a pure wave of kind of, like, euphoria that just washed over me. It was like the most happiest and life-affirming I'd ever felt. It's just like, like, I, I literally have, it felt like I'd have every molecule in my psyche tell me to kill myself and I hadn't done it. And it, it felt like my life had kind of just like been filled with a new vigor somehow. I can't really explain it beyond that. Um, oh. But that's that's what I say when I say, you, um, just go with the flow because even if bad things happen, like you, you come through, and it's like, well, I got through that, you know. It's like sort of like a, um, um, a your mind, your your your. It's sort of like the shackles of subjectivity and 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 um, of of subject subjecthood and and like the prison of of like the ego are sort of opened, even if you're not having ego death. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it makes like sort of like a, a personal going under experience, um, uh, going under to go to fall upwards. Like um, mm. it makes it makes one m much better, m much more, much better tuned to it, much more open, open to that. Yeah. And I also think I think uh, the thing that you said with going with the flow, you know, I think a big part of it is like the um, the urge to not go with the flow. Um, it's sort of an, an urge of fear and terror, and it's like I think like at the defense of the ego or of the um, the, the the smallness of the human, mm. um, which is one of the things that kind of psychedelics kind of unlock or kind of 
yes. disintegrate, kind of. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, although until it remains to be seen, it remains to be seen how how I think I think the I think for in my estimation, and I don't know if this is I don't know if this is necessarily um, um, not a, a thoughtful thing to say, but I, I think uh, I think the in my estimation. Um, what I, what I really like about psychedelics is sort of the openness to the real, and the real is, is I think, often terrifying. The, the cosmos is often terrifying and, and sort of uh, brutal, brutal and beautiful. Um, it's canon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's another reason why maybe I'm, I'm a little bit more suspicious of, like, the New Age types, because I, I feel like they're... Maybe, maybe they're just... Maybe they're just... Maybe they're just, they're just blind to the, the darker aspect of of, of Ganon. But I think I think just, just as you see, just as, as in your in your story, um, dark, huge darkness was there, um, yeah, and su- suicidal uh, potentiality. And I think that that's very important for there to be a, a true joy as well, because that's those are that's the truth of Ganon. Mm, that's like that's the. Uh... I feel that kind of ties back into the the kind of authentic thing we discussed last episode. I feel like that's the kind of that, that like fake drive for like authenticity I think that's something that's very present in kind of the the new age stuff yeah it's kind of like uh, where oh you know we're in touch with the with the the real the spiritual real and it's just like I, I don't know I mean like sure I don't think like healing crystals are like like you, you, like you you're not like you're not in search of authenticity you, you heard about healing crystals on the internet <laughs> I don't know um yeah, 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 absolutely, and it's all—it's also what it, what that is—is is it's a neutered authenticity. Yeah. Or a neutered, <coughs> a neutered, a neutered ganon. Mm. Um, um, and I, I might just add in, in a whisper, a neutered ganon. Dot dot dot. <laughs> God? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not 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 to recap the entirety of the last podcast here, but I think you know, I don't I don't think that. Authenticity is is not something that can be summed up in a Pinterest mood board. I think, I guess that's that's the same in the kind of a psychedelic experience. It's not something that you can just summarize. I think that it's it's authentic in the sense that it's something that cannot be translated to kind of a an artificial sense. Words fail it. You know, you have you have to experience it to actually experience it. I guess that's that's true. And there are there are threads of, of connectivity between different experiences because of the uh, the uh, the material or empirical chemical processes that are going on but you can't universalize it yeah absolutely uh, or intellectualize it or moralize it uh, and we're so then that's something that that's something that in, in thinking about before this episode I was, I was like I'm gonna be careful about trying to not intellectualize it too much because it certainly connects to it rigorously connects to to philosophical and intellectual um, contemplation but uh, one must be careful to uh, not to avoid the temptation of uh, forcing it to make sense mm. yeah absolutely because I think that <clears throat> I think that there, there are certainly pasta trips that make sense in, in as much as it's kind of like a, a reflection of your subconscious but like there are parts of it that are just entirely random, basically. So, I think trying to make meaning out of it 
overall is just kind of a mistake. Like, there are certainly postures just like, you look, I think I've, I've had trips where there's been a moment where I'm like, oh, that's what, like, the past hour has been about. But there's, it's never a point where it's just like, oh, the fact that I, I looked at something and I saw this pattern means this. You know, you can't, it's not something that specific. There's like, it's like there's a vibe that you get, but the details don't matter as much. Yes. Yes, I would agree. Um, I would agree. Mm. Absolutely. But um, I'll get back to the story now. Um, yeah, so um, eventually the whole situation kind of gets resolved. I, I was kind of out, out of the loop for how specifically it it gets resolved. I think the, the the DJ of the party, who was sober, basically kind of worked out what was going on and kind of put two and two together, kind of got the whole situation resolved. Um, I, I feel bad for them especially because, like, you know, they were DJing for, like, most of the party, and, like, the floor was fucking dead because everyone was just on acid. And it was like, that's not the kind of music you go down to the dance floor for. Um, but, um... <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, past that, nothing much really happened because, like, the party host was fucking bummed. And everyone was still recovering from, like, the, the freakout. Um, I, I was just, like, vibing and just chilling, really. But I was just, like... Because I think by this point it was like 1 or 2 a.m. And it's just like, it's, it's like the point where you've kind of, you've reached the peak, you're kind of on the way down. It's just like, it's, but like, you know you're not going to sleep whatsoever. And you just kind of have to wait out the, the several hours until dawn before you can just go home and crash for the day. <laughs> Which is my, the, my least favorite part of every acid trip is like, like 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. where you're just waiting to just be like, okay, I can go home now. <laughs> Although I, I, I yeah. I, I felt that on, on shrooms for sure, especially my, my first shroom trip, which was really terrifying. And I, I ended up from like from like 4 a.m. to like 8 a.m. I was just like huddled um, in, a, in a just like in the fetal position mm. um, in like the corner of my dorm room, just like <laughs> fucking terrified just like waiting for it to end <laughs> uh, well that's well i want to do psychedelics during the day more because i always enjoy that more because i think my shrooms trips during the day and i that was that was cool because i just went to straight after i went to my partner's place and got pizza for dinner and then um but I'll, I'll get to that when i get to that and another trip that i won't really be covering here um but i'll i'll briefly mention here is i went out to the uh, sydney uh, botanical gardens uh, mm. During the day, on I think it was either half a tab or a full tab. I think it was half. Um, so that was cool. Because um, I think because the thing was when you do it overnight, your brain is just very tired, so you are more likely to have a bad trip. And then obviously there's the waiting to the morning thing, because you know nothing. Regardless of whether you're high or not, nothing's happening at like four a.m. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I actually, I definitely agree with you, and, um, I, um, I actually, I have some shrooms left from my last, my last trip, and I want to take them again, and I'm disappointed that we ended up taking them, uh, my trip that I had, like, two days ago, we took them, like, at night, um, because we got, we were late getting to our camping site and everything, and, um, I, I want to take these, these, I'm thinking about potentially taking what I have left, uh, in downtown... Uh, which might might be a terrifying and um, uh, unhealthy experience, but I really wanna I really wanna um, see the flows of capital. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as you've got a, a, a sober trip to do with you while you're out in public, uh, you know, go for it. I, I, I uh, not not from personal experience, but just, just as a kind of reasonable piece of advice, I would not recommend uh, tripping in public without a sober person to accompany you. Mm-hmm. Or, or at the very least, a, a much more experienced tripping person. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's a good idea, but I did, I did... I don't have any, like, Landian friends, like, here with me, so, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, like, freak them out, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's, at some point it's just, like, it's something you just kind of have to <laughs> deal with on shrooms. Because, like, I've had, um, or just drugs in general, because I think I've mentioned before, I've brought, like, philosophy books to parties, and just, like, I'm just, like, occasionally just be reading in the corner for a bit, and it's... <laughs> Uh, it's just like okay, I think mm-hmm. having the um. Do you, do you have a physical copy of um, Visions of Excess or is that? I do. Because I will say the like as as cool as like the the Fangdomina cover is or whatever. Having just like the the uh, thick like black leather cover with like the I think it's gold text on the front. That just somehow looks way more intimidating than anything else. <laughs> I don't think I have that edition of it. Oh, do you have the the red one? Yeah, I have the is red one. Is that the is that a soft cover or hard cover? I have I have a soft cover. Oh, I I, I've got the hard cover. That's probably it. Mmm, beautiful. Yeah, I mean the the red one looks cool too, but I feel like the the black one is more fitting for Batai. Um. Mmm. I'm trying to find the hard cover. Um, I mean, I can send. Hard- yeah, I'll send you a picture after this if you want. But um, please do. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's most of the trip. I think the the only other thing that I want to touch upon briefly is like the like eating stuff on acid is very weird. Um, because mm. like drinks, drinks and like food mostly feel fine. Um, usually one of the things I get is that. Like, a very intense desire to just eat something like fresh, like a. I think one of the trips, I think I was there was like no fresh like fruit or veg in the entire house except for like a bag of lettuce in the fridge. So I just fucking <laughs> ate the whole bag of lettuce. I love that. But I um, love that. the the first party there was a bunch of like sliders, um, like mini hamburgers, <laughs> and <laughs> I I was just like, okay, I'm hungry. I want to eat these and like they 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 tasted of nothing it was just kind of like it's weird to describe the texture of like um just eating like this very like kind of sloppy like pulled pork slider but it just tasting like absolutely nothing wow (laughs) or like like the the taste is there but you like you can sense that it's there you know it's there but you can't really feel it (laughs) So, I like, absolutely get you. It's, it's like almost like a, was it akin sort of to like dental novocaine a little bit, and then when you touch your face on dental novocaine. I, I don't really know what dental novocaine is, but I, it's, I get, it's a nerve agent that they like that they shoot into like your cheeks or whatever when they're gonna um, or your gums when they're gonna like remove a tooth. Oh, and, well, uh, luckily I've never had that, but I might because I think I'm due for um a filling at some point but like I've been scheduled for a bunch of stuff at the fucking dentist now I was supposed to get like braces like five years ago and it just never happened so fuck knows oh. <laughs> but um 
It's uh, like, it's weird. It's like touching someone else's skin. Right. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's something like that, but it really did just taste like it just had like a, this weird, just kind of like meaty, like flavorless goop. And for some reason, it also just took like 10 times as long to chew it for some reason. It did. It stripped away all the capitalist ideology <laughs> the of, of, what, of what a slider is supposed to. Your ideology. I am eating from this trash can right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. It, it was just slop, but it was also like I'm gonna keep eating this because I am. It's a very interesting sensation. I'm not gonna be able to feel this like for a while. It's just like because like I I went in. I'm just like it's weird, but like. It's it's like a very interesting sensation. It's just like just just because it's like weird doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it, you know? It's because it's like the the point of like the first trip to me was kind of like working out the boundaries, okay, what does this do? What can I do with it? What can I not do with it? And so kind of there was just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna work out all the experiences and all that. I'm just gonna enjoy the weirdness of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's really like the the, the healthiest um, response. Mm. Um, In the moment. Yeah. So that that was that was the first one. There was not really any uh, deep insight. Um, but it was still a fun a fun experience overall. I had a good time. Um, I think we're 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 up to the point of you sharing your you wanted your first. Well, I say first. Obviously, I don't know, you can tell whichever one of your trips you want that this is the the first one you're sharing with us, at least. Yeah. Um, let me think about which trip I want to share first. Um, perhaps my first. You started with your first trip, so I think I'll go with my first trip. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a couple. A couple. Of, um, years ago now, um, I started doing a lot of research on, um, I think it's, oh fuck, what's it called? Um, like the Hive, the Vespiary, which is like an online site that has like lots of information about, um, <coughs> chemistry, drug chemistry. I'm not, I'm not very, fam I'm not familiar with it, so I couldn't, uh, I have no idea, but. Um, it's, it's pretty great. Um, a lot of stuff on MDMA, but, um, I started looking at that a bunch, um, and I started, um, researching, um, DMT, um, uh, and it can be pretty easily, uh, uh, extracted from Mimosa Hostilis root bark. Okay, hang on, hang on, can I, can I just clarify, you're saying that your first experience with psychedelics was a DMT trip? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I I I'm, I'm I only uh, clarify because, as I'm sure you're no, you're probably aware, DMT has the reputation of being one of the more intense ones. <laughs> I mean, personally, I I don't even intend to touch it for at least another five years. I mean, <laughs> although I suppose at a very low dose, it's probably okay. But in general, it's it's its reputation precedes it as basically the probably the hardest psychedelic you could do, really. Mm, and well, you and you I went into that I as your first one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair, but I, I do think um, I think perhaps people people confuse DMT with 5-MeO DMT. Um, found in nature in um, 
the uh, the ex excretions from the adrenal uh, maybe it's not the adrenal gland from pineal the gland. gland yeah yeah for, for this uh, toad um, the Sonora Desert Toad um, and so um, 5-MeO DMT is definitely probably probably the hardest psychedelic that you can yeah. do I mean you know more um, than me I didn't even know there was more than one type of DMT I thought it was just DMT and that's it yeah, no, and then the traditional DMT, which um, sort of uh, has a historical use in um, ayahuasca, right? Which is this plant, plant brew that um, was is used by tribes in Central and South America, mm. um, which involves involves um, involves um, a vine that has um, the DMT molecule in it, and then or maybe no, I got that wrong. A plant leaves of a plant that has the DMT molecule in it, as well as a vine that like releases the DMT molecule and also like keeps the trip going longer so and then it's like they're like chewed together and spit to a bowl and then eaten mm. um um perhaps that's sort of like a profane cursory explanation of, of the ritual but um <laughs> um i actually um i haven't grown up in a, a hippie uh community um one of my one of my friends uh, moms when i was a kid when i was like nine years old she started telling me about like her recent like ayahuasca trip in Brazil. Um, wow! And so I, I thought I knew about ayahuasca for a while, but I didn't since I was not. I always wanted to do it, but I I didn't learn that ayahuasca was DMT until um, a few probably a few years ago. But um, but yeah, so I decided I wanted to extract DMT, which you can extract from mimosa hostilis root bark, this purple root bark from. Um, bark on the roots of these trees that grow in southern Mexico, um, and you can order mimosa hostilis root bark um, legally in the U.S. because it's, uh, it's used in like medicinal soaps. Um, although you probably don't want to order a ton of it. Um, there are stories with, like there was one guy in Florida who ordered um, a ton of it, and then they, the cops in Florida, treated it like um, like the root bark was the pure substance of DMT. You <laughs> order like two kilos of the root bark, which only gives you like I don't know how much it gives you, but it gives you only not that much DMT, like I don't know, ten grams worth of DMT. But um, they treated it like he had ordered two kilograms of DMT and tried to throw him in like, prison for life. But thankfully, he um, he got a lawyer and he got out. But um, so um, it's still definitely a little a little sketch. But you can definitely order the root bark. So I ordered the root bark and I extracted it using a simple acid base extraction technique. Um, and I actually found it very very meaningful to like extract it myself. Um, I might have to give this a go. <laughs> if I can legally order it, I mean, I don't know how the rules apply in Australia. I'm not going to order two kilograms of bark. But <laughs> yeah, you should look up the rules, but I'm sure you should be able to order the root bark because it's commonly used in medicinal soap products. And the DMT is just the molecule that's present in the bark. Like you, you have to extract it. You have to grind it up and then um, do an acid-base extraction with um, sodium hydroxide or lye. And then um, extract um, the molecule from that, and then uh, like um, uh, evaporate it until the substance becomes like cloudy and milky, and then freeze it, and the crystals will freeze out of it. And then it becomes like a, a yellow sort of crystalline powder, and it has this incredible smell. It's like nothing I've ever smelled before. It's it's like it's incredibly um, uh, floral and bright, but also very artificial, and like almost plastic in an incredible way. It really makes me think about, like, the territorialization. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's, it's weird to have, like, that synthesis of kind of, like, the, um, 
like the like the flower and also like the artificial at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it's a very useful aesthetic experience, the experience of, of, of the scent. It's a useful aesthetic experience for conceptualizing sort of like a, the Luz and Guattari's um, concepts of like organic machinery, mm. um, which can be kind of hard for um, for some people to sort of um, comprehend, and for many people to comprehend, um, I would say. Um, so, so yeah, so I extracted, I extracted a bunch, and um, it took me a couple of extractions to get it down, um, and I extracted like enough for, I didn't really measure it out, which I probably should have, but um, I extracted enough for what seemed to be like a, a solid trip. Um, not, I didn't necessarily want to break through. People talk about like DMT trips and then breaking through. Mm. I'm not sure currently if I did break through. I think I probably did because I saw a lot. But maybe I didn't fully break through because when you fully break through, you're supposed to be like fully in this world, like moving through it through these through hallways and spaces. Right. And I saw spaces, but I wasn't moving through them. I was still like on the ground. Mm. Um, so so yeah. So I am um, I am um, at the very end of summer. Um, I um, there was a, a day I, I prepared. I um, I called my grandmother, told her I loved her. I cleaned my room. I only ate fruit for that whole day. Um, it was just my sister and I, um, um, you know, in, in the forest um, where, where we live, and my parents were gone. And I asked her to trip sit me, and so got stood, got out of the lawn with like a reclining chair, and sat out there. And I had like my bong, which which I put like my little bong, which I put like at some some ash in, um, and then I put the DMT on top of that, and then I. Um, uh, I took a hit, I took a hit, and um, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like inhale for 10 seconds straight. Uh, you're supposed to inhale for 10 seconds and then hold it for 10 seconds. So I had my sister saying, "Hold one, two, three, four, five. and you're supposed to do like if you want to break through, you're supposed to do like three hits like that. So I did yeah. two, and then it was like two. It was like too much, and I was like, okay. And um, so I, as I started to lay back, um, it was like this, like sort of, you know, like those old windows that are that are. They're not stained glass, but they have that sort of watery effect to them. Mm. Yeah, sort of I think so. Like glistening in perfect effect. It was like that. It was like moving sort of through like a like a clear stained glass window. Do you know what I mean? Like a glass window that that has like imperfections. It's like it. like one of those like warped kind of patchy ones. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's like sort of that came over my vision, and I lay back back down, and I felt very nauseous um, and very terrified. But, uh, but then I sort of started to see when it was the sunset, when this was happening, and I started to see, I was looking up at this big tree, and I started to see like flows in everything. I could still see like the outlines of the tree, especially against the red sky. But I started to see flows of like energy within the tree and architectures of flows of energy within the tree. And then I started to see like these joyous, um, these joyous faces in the architecture of the flowing energy within the tree and um i don't i don't know i'm, I'm very careful about uh, ascribing specific like re real or spiritual uh, insight to psychedelic trips as 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 we know but um it felt very much like I, i'm not sure if seeing the smiling faces they weren't necessarily they were sort of humanoid but not really i don't know it's kind of hard to describe but um seeing the smiling faces i felt like maybe maybe that's like um it's like an anthropic um, perception of like joyousness, like the joyousness of, of being. It felt very much like like the trees and and the and the earth 
and everything was made of this like architecture of flowing energy and I, I, I it made me think about sort of like while I was tripping I was talking to my sister a little bit and it made me think about um, sort of ha this idea that like everything that is everything that exists it that is is alive on some base level and nothing is really necessarily more alive than that and everything that is alive that 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 that, that is that isn't being is like constantly affirming itself in joy which is kind of a little bit very Nietzschean but kind of a little horrifying because then I had the thought like well someone could be torturing someone or raping someone right now and both of their bodies are like crying out in affirmation like the, like the flesh of their body like the being of their bodies mm. um, you know and then the knife that the torturer is using and the earth underneath them and the stones and the concrete and everything that sort of is um, sort of had I felt like has to be crying out an affirmation to exist I felt like a very specific divide between everything that is and the void everything that d the, the spaces in between where things just aren't N not even a divide necessarily they're ju just like that the, the, there there's the is and then the, there's the isn't mm. and I, um, I almost I almost I thought about how like I thought about like everything that is being the same color like the, the concrete and the stones and the trees and the people they're not being a differentiation it's all like the same color it's like the same material it's the material of what is mm. um, so that's what I was thinking about um, and I also saw like snakes moving through the flows and like around the edges of my vision that, mm. was very interesting. that seems to be one of the things that I think I, I hear about is that there is usually snakes seem to be a recurring theme in DMT trips from the few things I've read yeah, um, there is actually on that on that topic. I wanted to ask because um, apparently, and I don't know why, I've read that apparently that in DMT trips, it's like a given that everyone sees like machine elves or something. It just seems to so, be like, yeah. So I think that those faces were machine elves. Right. So like, yeah, do, do, what's what's the deal with the machine elves thing? Because it's like. I, I've 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 heard a bit about it, and it seems to be just a staple of like DMT trips. And it's weird because it's like there is. It seems there are some drugs that, regardless of when or how you do them, there is just a constant. Like I think um for people who abuse Benadryl, I don't know why the fuck they would do that, and I don't know why this there is a specific thing. But I've I've heard from people that people who do Benadryl uh, recreationally, they they see a hallucination of like a figure known as the Hat Man which is just like a tall dark guy wearing a hat. I don't know why, but apparently that's just that's just a universal across people who just do Benadryl in their own time and get fucked up on that. I, I can't explain much about that, but since you seem to know a bit more about the the DMT thing than I do, could you, like what's the deal with machine elves? Um I'm not super schooled on it. I I've, I've read a bunch of, of of like I've read a few essays and articles on it, but that that's been that was like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, right. Um, and um, it was um, um, I would say B BFN before Fang Numina. But <laughs> 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 uh, so um, but uh, but what I, what I do have to say is that um, I don't know. This is purely conjecture. And I think that one has to be careful in interpreting trips in a similar way that one has to be careful interpreting dreams, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do. I did very much feel like like the machine, the, the smiling faces, maybe were 
a representation to me, or maybe not even a representation, maybe maybe just um, a communication of the sort of this the the sort of sentience of base matter in some strange way. Not human sentience, and maybe sentience is the wrong word, but uh, sort of it actually probably connects very well to geotrauma um, mm. and Cathel. Um, um, but I, I very much, I feel like the Machina, um, they're not necessarily like anthropic like or humanoid, like joyous, like humanoid entities that are mm. everywhere. But I think that they're, they're more like a, our, our perception of the, of a, of a conscious element within um, sort of like the, the, the Dionysian flow of being or the 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 the, the energetic um, uh, pain and a sort of burning of um, geotrauma that invests like base matter mm. is that the uh, the the it's like the melding of like pain and pleasure is kind of like a universal thing like they're yeah, like they're 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 not separate from each other. They're like not necessarily on a continuum, but um, they're strongly linked. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And there was also something very comforting about it in the the idea that like that 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 we're not truly like you know it very much felt like well my ego and my uh, my identity actually doesn't really. Not matter that much, and you know, social issues, and like, you know, a breakup, or you know, it, you know, um, um, uh, difficulties within a friendship or something. Like that all doesn't matter at all because mm. we're not actually really any more alive than base matter. And when we die, we'll still be alive in like the only sort of what felt like the only sort of real sense, which is as base matter. So I was thinking about like my bones being just as alive as I am now. And you know the dust that will compose my bone, that my bones will, will become, being just as alive as I am now, and that was very beautiful. Um, and like I, I think I got right to the edge of breaking through because I saw all of this all around me, um, but there were still sort of the outlines of the trees and the outlines of things. It was sort of like within the outlines, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, yeah, or not even the outlines because it wasn't like there were borders on things. But yeah, like. Um, but I couldn't stand up. I was like tripping very hard, and I actually was tripping hard for like about forty minutes, which is crazy because um, you're supposed to only be tripping for twenty minutes. Yeah, I was I gonna say I was gonna I was gonna ask how long it was because I know that yeah. notoriously DMT DMT trips feel very long, but they only last like I thought it was only like fifteen minutes, not twenty. But although I, that, I think part of the time might have to do with maybe it's the the other types of DMT that last longer, I don't know how the the different well, types affect the length of it. Uh-huh. Well, well, the, the type that I did was just just DMT, just um, just um, class, classical uh, the classical molecule DMT. I think probably part of it was the fact that so if you're gonna break through, well, one of the main things you're supposed to do is to try to smoke as much of it as quickly as you can because mm. uh, I think I think your brain gets used to it quickly or something. And I think that that's part of the reason why in ayahuasca mix they have the vine that activates the DMT because that specific vine also sort of um, inhibits, does like a slight in- inhibition of your body's um, 
um, like your 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 neural receptors that recept DMT, mm. um, and that allow that allows it to like uh, your your brain to not like become very used to it very quickly. So, um, like, I think part of it was like I think it was yeah I didn't I didn't get through. Th- I, I took hu- two huge hits that were ten seconds each, but the second hit. Um, I was sort of coughing towards the end of that, and I didn't take a third one. So, and also like I, I had like there was like a pause of maybe thirty seconds in between the two, because I was like it was very acrid and flowery and plasticky tasting, right? Um, and hard, hard to like hard on, on my throat a little bit. And so, um, I think what it was was that I took a lot of DMT, but I didn't take it all at once. Right. And that was. Probably- but then after that, after I sort of came down from the trip, and I wasn't seeing that much, but I was seeing like seeing maybe like um sort of just things at the edge of my vision a little bit and things seemed bright kind of like um, a mild troom trip and um i was just in this state of like feeling very high and very joyous joyous for like four hours after <laughs> um, like three hours after but it was not like a weed high it was like a, a different sort of high mm. uh, yeah no the i think you get the kind of joyous uh come down uh, during the day when you do it because I think I've I've said before that most of my trips would be like overnight things at a party and then I just feel like very um melancholy for like the rest of the day because like I, st- I do it like 7 p.m. at 7 a.m. the next day I go home and I'm just like lying in bed all day feeling like shit but I, when I've done it like with shrooms during the day or the one time I did acid during the day uh, the come down afterwards, after I was on the other side, was very uh, joyous. I think that kind of depends on the the context of the trip, really. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, that, that that is a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also actually I have some more shrooms from my last um, experience, so I think um, I think maybe later this upcoming week I'm gonna like mm. lay in the ocean and take them or something. <laughs> I'm I'm very glad you ended up not doing them on the plane. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I took I took your advice actually. Yeah. Because um, I I feel yeah. like someone, the person sitting next to you would have 100 percent noticed. <laughs> I could yeah, also get. It was actually my father sitting next to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but actually on the plane, um, both ways, I was like looking out the window nearly the entire time. Because it, I, it was like, um, it was, it was a fascinating view, and I could see like all the coatings, mm. the decoding, recodings of capital upon the earth. Yeah, uh, no, the, I mean the view. So, trust me, the view would have been amazing. Everything else about the flight would have been shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, yeah, and actually, um, the, the next, like probably every time I take psychedelics in the future I want to try to take them early in the day so that it's light out because mm. um, when it's dark I think I think that you miss things like it is a vibe but I, I think that you miss you miss visuals that you would otherwise get maybe because of like the light spectrum that's available to you or something I, don't mm. know. I mean I'd, I mean I'd love to do them during the day more um, but it's really a matter of the circumstances because I don't I don't yeah. buy my own I I usually just get from other people who are going to the same parties as me. Because these, like, every party I do these at are, like, parties specifically to, like, hang out and trip together. And it's, like, it's, like, mostly, like, people between, like, my age and, like, 50. 
so that, like, people who actually have, like, jobs and stuff, they can't just, like, take a day off or something. Um, you know, they have work and stuff, they have to, like, come at night and all that, but, you know, it is what it is, hey, it's still a good time. Um, that makes sense. Um, can you, can you hear me correctly? Yeah, you know, I can hear you fine. Okay, perfect, that's good. Um, yeah, um, but I actually, I've also, I've trips out a couple of friends on DMT as well. Um, one of my friends, he had like a 10 minute trip that was like amazing and he was, he was talking about like becoming like, um, rebaptized as like a Catholic. And wow. He was talking about like Marxism and Catholicism and like <laughs> how he saw God and, and all this stuff. Um, I think it's a really, my, in my experience actually thus far, DMT is much, is, it's, it's much harder to have a bad trip on DMT than it is on acid or shrooms. Wow. Uh, but um, but it's certainly very intense. Mm. I mean, during my trip, I could I, I definitely felt that I could have gone into a bad trip if I was freaked out or in a bad place. But I was like, I think a, a big part of it, of course, is that your brain is very open to the power of suggestion, even mm. like like suggestion from yourself. And so, because I had prepared and I had only eaten that day and I'd done sort of the meditation and the preparations that I'd read about, I felt I had like that confidence and I could just tell myself like. Like, no, you're going to have a good trip. Um, like, no, you're not going to think about, like, how the affirmation of everything is also the affirmation of um, incredible uh, horrors. Um, although I did think about that, I guess, but I, I, did, I didn't get freaked out about that. Um, but I highly recommend, actually, um, that that you do it. I think, I think you would find it really great. Um, oh, man, yes. It, it, was, it was on the list regardless of when I was going to do it. And I think I'm, I'm definitely, after hearing this, I'm a little... Uh, less scared of touching it because you know now I know that there's more than one type. I'd probably start with the uh, the one you did before moving up to the yeah, yeah. To, the, to the to the classic, I guess the one that no, everyone took. The, the one that I did is actually classic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, classic in the sense of when people think of DMT, they actually think of the other one. I mean, ah, uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 not not classic as an original. Classic is in the one everyone knows, but yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I definitely think I think the Toad one is really interesting and really great. But a lot of stuff that I've read about the Toad one, stuff that I've seen about the Toad one, the Toad one is like very, very intense and very, very serious. And uh, I think it's I think it's too bad that because the Toad the Toad one five MEO DMT also has DMT and the the name people people conflate the two and really they're two completely separate drugs. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea uh, but, until now, and you know, I'm into I've done my research on this stuff as well so yeah even even i didn't know so yeah absolutely yeah um yeah but i also recommend for you micah that you um that you extract it yourself um because it's it's um it's pretty cheap that way and it's also pretty easy and it's it's, it's very rewarding to be like wow i made this mm. and to feel like you sort of really like connect the you know where it's from and in, in in the natural world you like you sort of pulled it out of the, of the natural world yeah no it's, it sounds like a good uh good project for maybe the next uh after my next uh, semester of university maybe i'll give that a go that can be my uh my, my yeah. summer project <laughs> yeah i think the material for the extraction cost me probably about 70 dollars um and um you know um you could probably buy some for like probably twenty five dollars, like mm. the amount that you need. But you know, the materials cost seventy five, and you could actually 
you could actually probably like a hundred dollars worth of materials you could make like a, a lot of it you could extract a lot of it like mm. enough for like eight people probably to to break through to have breakthrough chips but um i mean i've got friends who might be into that so i guess that's something you could do with it absolutely absolutely um and and also it doesn't take too long i'd say it's like the the first part of the process of extracting is like maybe four hours and then you know um yeah it's like two hours and then you, you wait a little a few hours and then it's like another two hours and then you you evaporate some and then you freeze the crystals mm-hmm. um so like it's it, you can do it in a day you know um sweet it's pretty 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 wild yeah yeah okay i'll have to keep that in mind and also i i think we we'll, we'll probably leave the <laughs> that part of it there because i feel like if we start getting hyper-specific about how to make it, I, I think we, we might get in trouble for posting this. Yeah, yeah. I think we can we can broadly talk about it, but it's like, I think, you know, once we start giving the audience specific instructions on how to make TMT in their own home, I, I think I think we might be pushing it a little. Yeah, and also, and also I think, you know, I think there's something that's kind of, um, there's something that's kind of, um, kind of, um, careless about that like, yeah uh, because there are lots of lots of retards uh, out there who uh, do stupid shit and not that we would be responsible in any way for any retard listening to anything that we say on our podcast and doing stupid stupid uh shit but mm. you know you know you should really be someone who's doing their research who's clever enough and rational enough to figure this shit out on your own um using the internet (laughs) you know and to consider it carefully before you do it and to make sure that you're in a safe mental state and to make sure that you have friends who can watch you or take care of you during during this process Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that is if you don't want to (laughs) die should we move on to the have you wrapped up your dmt stories or anything you want to add to that Ah, um, yeah, it's just, um, I mean, part of the interesting thing was that, like, I was thinking the whole time, and I was talking a lot of it, and my sister actually recorded a video of me talking for part of it, (laughs) trying to explain what I was saying, so I think it's very interesting, I think, for me, like, the urge to intellectualize more. Do you still have that video? I still have that, I can send it to you. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, we can, why don't we put it in the podcast? Okay. If you want. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how we play it during the call. Maybe. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll put it into the file in post-production. Okay, so here is the video. What is like the biggest thing you want yourself to remember? I want myself to remember that my trip isn't just all these random bright colors. It really isn't. It's the colors meaningful. that are used in my trip are the same colors as the, the place that I'm in. Orange sunset in the sky and the the dark black trees rising all around me. Mm-hmm. It's in these trees which are ever flowing things of energy. Energy is like highways and everything. There are extraterrestrial beings who are intelligent and who love us and who love our reality that are in. It's like they're in the place of the trees mm-hmm. of each individual branch and each needle. Just streaming out. They are the tree. The and it's energy all connected. And love of the tree. It's all connected. Exactly. Yeah. And they're intelligent. 
So they could be off building like a spaceship or some shit, but they're not. They're like a part of our reality. Because they're, they care about us. Because they care about us. And they're a part of our reality. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how high people talk. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I was very grateful that like the intelligence that I felt was like, I felt like they, they were, by their just existence, or they were part of the, what upholds like being. Mm. Uh, so like I was grateful to that. But then there's also like I guess a, a darker element to that as well. But yeah, so yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me because like on on other things we would discuss in this, it's like I would have the the frame of reference to kind of you know understand like what that at least vaguely what that kind of headspace under the influence would be. But it's very difficult for me to kind of work that out because this is something I haven't done. So it's very hard for me to kind of like connect with that headspace and like kind of connect it to my experience to, to kind of deepen my understanding, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. Did I, but did I, in my story, did I sort of describe, I tried to describe like the specifics of it, especially mm -hmm. like in, into other yeah. substances. I mean, I think I think you did a good job describing it, but I, I think I think as as we have mentioned previously, the there is an inherent limitation to how well you can describe these, really. But I think you Absolutely. did a good job, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm I'm excited to hear uh, to hear your next story. <laughs> the shrooms trip, yeah. Okay, so this one is. Um, Middle of last year, I would say probably around about the same time we're recording this, because um, it was a couple of days before the second uni semester of the year, um, as is now. Um, so this was also during the middle of very strict COVID lockdown, and I, I, um, this at, at the time it was that you could only go outside um, for essential work so if you were a retail worker or like like I was or a government worker you could go out to do that you could go out for exercise you could go out for shopping um, and the only other exception I think was for uh, seeing your partner um, so I I uh, went out under the uh, <laughs> under the claim that oh I'm just going to go spend the the day with uh, my partner at the time, uh, who I'm not seeing at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, me and my friend, uh, my best friend, catch up. We walk over to our other friend's house, um, who the guy who has the shrooms. Um, this guy was a fucking nut job. <laughs> he, in 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 no uncertain terms, was uh, a white nationalist. He had one of those like. And j just as a disclaimer, uh, he wasn't my friend. Uh, by complete coincidence, he was dating someone I knew from high school. Um, which is just a complete coincidence. Um, yeah, I know, he's a, he's a white nationalist femboy. <laughs> oh, wow, I know the, I know the type. <laughs> yeah, um... So he, he and this uh, girl from my high school had this apartment where they had, like, hamsters in it. Um, so we were just going to go to their place and do uh, shrooms. Um, so <laughs> so we walk all the way there. 
Um, and we kind of, you know, go inside, try, and not, try not to be suspicious. Um, and I, oh yeah, I should say, for further context, I was at a very weird point in my life where I wasn't really sure what the fuck I was doing. Um, I was, I think this was around the time, I think at the same time I've alluded to in the previous episode, where I'd started kind of digging my teeth into, uh, to kind of Moldbug and some of, uh, the Dark Enlightenment, a specific Nick Lance text. Um, and this, again, this was in the middle of lockdown, so this was at a very, very weird time in my life that is, uh, not, um, representative of where I'm at now, so to speak. <laughs> um, but that's just the broader context of what was going on. Um, so we get into, uh, my friend's friend's apartment, um, and, you know, we just, we just hang about for a bit, shoot the shit for a little while. Um, and then eventually, uh, you know, they break out the shrooms, and I think the, I, I don't remember how much I had, I think it was just like over two grams, because I was basically just, you know, just, because they'd, they'd already done it together a couple times before, so I basically just said, alright, just give me whatever you think, give me what you had on the first go, basically. Um, which I think was about, I don't, like I said, I don't remember specifically how much it was. But, uh, two grams, roughly, thereabouts, let's say. Um, and we, we did, um, we, we, uh, soaked them in lemon for a bit. This is a trick that, uh, it's a, it, it is a rumor, it's not confirmed that this actually does anything. But people say that if you soak, uh, magic mushrooms in lemon, it gives a stronger trip. Apparently the, there's an interaction between the lemon, between the citrus, and the actual psilocybin chemicals. Allegedly, it's like I said, this hasn't actually been proven scientifically, um, but it's what people say. It might be entirely placebo. Um, at least that's my understanding. Maybe, maybe someone's proven it somewhere. I have no fucking idea. Um, and so, because I, I, I don't even like the taste of mushrooms normally. So it's like to get it down, like I go get like a jar of peanut butter and just like have a spoonful of that with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, because because uh, I don't like the taste of mushrooms generally. And then it was like mushrooms that have been soaked in lemon juice for 20 minutes, and it's just it's it was not a very nice taste. Um, so so there were four of us in the in the apartment. It was only like. Two rooms in a hallway, basically. It was a very small apartment. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of describe it. Um, so you kind of get to the door, you open the door, and there's like a hallway that goes down. Immediately to the left is like a little space that breaks down with the bathroom. Um, then past that, um, there's the living room, which connects right into the dining room slash kitchen, which connects back into the hall. So it's like I guess three, four rooms if you count the hallway and the bathroom, but the point is it's not a particularly um, big place. I think the a bed is taking up most of the dining room and the kitchen. And then uh, on the back wall, there's like a large window that takes up like half the wall. And it's got like a... one of those... Um, roll, roll the, the kind of curtain that rolls up, basically. Um, so we, we, you know, we, uh, we take the shrooms, and, uh, I don't remember how long, I don't, I don't remember specifically when we took them, I think it was about midday, maybe like 1 or 2 p.m., um, 
maybe a bit before. This was a while ago and I wasn't really keeping track of time for it. Um, but we take the shrooms. I don't remember how long it takes for them to kick in, but I'm assuming it was around how long it takes for uh, acid to kick in. Um, I should point out, but by this time I'd only had, I think, two acid trips. And I think, as I've mentioned before, <coughs> um, the person I got my tabs from didn't store them properly, so they weren't of the highest quality. Um, as, as I, and as, as you know, I think um, shrooms are... Uh, the come-up is a lot more intense than acid. So that was probably the most uh, uncomfortable come-up I've had in my life. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember... I don't remember. I, I, I didn't. Exa I didn't feel nauseous, but it, but it it felt like you know when the, when a roller coaster starts like climbing up the uh, the the hill. It was just like oh here we go. It's like you you feel it and you're like okay okay here we go. Um, yeah no I would then we because we were watching uh we were watching Netflix. I don't remember the name of the documentary, but it was a documentary about mushrooms that had a lot of a lot of like time-lapse footage of like mushrooms growing and like trees growing and so obviously that that was when we first noticed something was up because um, we had all the lights off as well and it was just very very intense um, I, I don't even know how to describe the because that, that was the beginning stage where there wasn't very wasn't very intense distortions but like it, it felt like a lot brighter and more vivid, and not not unnatural, but like like you you could tell that it someone that you know you were on the way up. Things were only going to get weirder from here. Uh, so I I start like pacing along the hallway and I sit down, and uh, I think that's that's when the major kind of hallucinations, not not hallucinations, but uh, the visual effects uh, kind of kick in. Um, everything started to have like these weird like um, the uh, like Aztec or like uh, Incan patterns all over it like everything looked like it was made of like red and blue lines but like you could still see the colors of everything mm. and then like that was weird and then what freaked me out was like it started looking like like, like someone had like scribbled like on all the, like the lines between those lines, so it was like, <coughs> <laughs> wow. like that like that freaked me out because it like from like in that like kind of like altered headspace, it feels like you know you're looking at like literally like the like all of reality basically is like made up of all these like inked lines, and then like something like outside of that reality is like scribbled around between those lines like across all of reality like a fucking madman <laughs> it's like like this this like deranged like presumably lovecraftian kind of just like like the same kind of scribblings like if you look like an insane person up in like an asylum and gave them a a pen like those kind of scribbles like but like for me it's like because it covered everything i just assumed that like if all of reality is like made of these lines that i'm seeing that means it's just across the entirety of existence so like there's the the plane of like existence like I was seeing things on and like somehow something had gotten 
into that kind of inaccessible kind of psychedelic layer of reality and just gone absolutely insane and just scrolled all over it and that freaked me out real bad <laughs> wow um, that, is, that is kind of terrifying yeah I don't know it's it it, it, it I, I'll say I can't give it justice because you know as I've said the you always can't describe it but it, it was a very weird feeling so you know I'm coming up <laughs> and because I haven't had a, a trip this intense before uh, you know my friend is just hanging out he comes sits nearby and I ask him, have we peaked yet? And he turns to his other friend and says, hey, he asked, have we peaked yet? And they both started laughing. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, th thanks for the assurance, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. But yes, no, it absolutely had not peaked. Um, I think at some point... I, I might be skipping ahead of other things here because the experience feels a bit non-linear, the details kind of feel a little blurry. Um, so there's four people here, we're all tripping. No, there is not a trip sitter, by the way. I only realize that now. Um, but, uh, so we're just kind of chilling. And the... I mean, I, I can't speak for how everyone was feeling at that particular time, but I think it, towards the end it felt like every, everyone except me was kind of miserable. I remember I was... My, at, but when we were, I was just chilling on the bed. I think I got up like five minutes. I I say maybe five. I don't know. Um, I walked over. I just lie on the bed, and uh, everyone's just chilling on the bed. I look over at my my best friend. He's like scribbling on his phone. You know, he's like, oh, I'm gonna open up my phone and do some drawing. It's like, oh, I wonder what he's drawing. <laughs> so I, I go over. I look down at his phone, and it looks like he's just fucking drawing like a red fucking skull. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and so I, I just like I'm like dude are you okay and he just like looks at me and like we make eye contact and we just burst out laughing <laughs> apparently it was supposed to be a tribal mask and like he sent that to his girlfriend and she's like dude what the fuck <laughs> but yeah no that was, that's probably the I, I, I will say that's the most memorable thing about the trip because it was just such a ridiculous moment just like seeing seeing my friend like we're like we're both high off our face and like I look over at him he's like drawing like what I what to me looks like just a red skull on his phone I'm just like dude you good <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah skulls are very can be very um, terrifying imagery especially when you're tripping yeah absolutely I mean. I mean, like, it, it wasn't actually a skull, like, say, it was a tribal mask, but obviously I had no way of knowing that. <laughs> um, so, and then, uh, so, there, there's an indeterminate amount of time I'm not, be between that and the, when things really start going, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna make any estimations on how long the, the main body of the trip actually lost. I'll just say overall it was probably several hours, but the actual time between events at this point I'm not even going to speculate on. Um, so I'm... And like I said, this is probably the most intense trip I've had. Like, I can handle my acid pretty well, but I think either, either the dose was higher than I think it was, or I just do not handle my shrooms well because I was so fucking out of it. I think... I think by what feels like an hour in, I think I was just like, I couldn't even like, stand up. 
I was just, uh, I think there was one point where I was just, like, on, like, down on, down on all fours, like, next to the bed with my, my face just pressed into the side of the bed. I don't know how I got into that position or, or why I stayed in it, but I just was. Um, but, like, I, I could, like, snap out of the trip. I think my friend and his friend, they were like, oh, we're just gonna go walk outside for a bit. You wanna come? And I'm just like, no, I'm good. I just, like, give them a thumbs up from down on the floor. Um, I'm, I don't even know how they could go. I mean, I'm sure it would've been cool to go outside, but it's just like, no, I'm not. And then some, at some point, I, I, like, climb onto the bed. Uh, I'm just, like, lying, uh, face down. Um... I, th I have my eyes open, but I can't really see much because all the lights are off and like the pillow is like dark blue, so we're basically just kind of looking into nothing. Um, I, think, I think I'm probably drooling on the bed as well. I just got my mouth up and going, <laughs> but um, so I, I'm lying there, and then it feels like the the uh, fuck no, I just realized I've fucking skipped a bit. Um. No, there was a, I think there was a point between, bef okay, so before I had my face straight into the bed, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a bit, I only just remembered, oh, fuck. <laughs> I think, I think we're, we're, we're all aware that linear time doesn't really work when you're high, um, but there was a bit where I was, uh, I don't know why, I was thinking about, like, the collapse of society, and I was thinking about myself, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I could become, like, a... <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say, like, a cult leader, but, like, that feels like the vibe is going. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll have, like, a, an acoustic guitar and I'll, like, sing songs around the campfire for people. Like, like basically just Charles Manson in the post-apocalypse. I don't know where that came from, but that's just kind of, like, the vibe I was getting. Um, anyway, so, but that was uh, before I had my face just put into the bed. Um, so then I have, I saw, anyway, so... Back to this. I'm, I'm face down the bed. I'm just like looking into this blue pillow, and like it feels like a, as I'm looking into it, there's kind of like a, a a crack in it with like white light coming through, and it just kind of like opens up like um like a like a magical transition, and it feels like I'm looking into like a storybook kind of. Um, I see. I see myself as kind of like a. It's like it's like a fairy tale setting with like a, a bunch of like anthropomorphic animals, basically. I don't. I don't want to say fairies, but it was just fairies, really. Um, <laughs> and it's in this. Uh, it's like, fantasy like swamp, and I see myself as a. I kind of like the. This uh, in this group of uh, of uh, frogs in a swamp. Um, and there's this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's, um, I don't, I just, so it's like this, uh, this, like, self-contained village, and there's, I, I don't know why in a village you would have a king, but there's a king, and then I'm the, the, the prince in this, and, uh, I'm wearing, like, old, like, blue clothes, like, very, like, a. Kind of like what uh, what Link wears in uh, I think uh, the Breath of the Wild. I think I, I don't I don't fucking play the Link Zelda games, but I know there's one game where he's like dressed in like a kind of a blue bluish outfit. It was it was very much like that. Um, I I also want to say in advance that I don't look back on this trip 
very fondly, not because I didn't enjoy it, like, I enjoyed it, but in, in hindsight, it felt like I had a... It, it felt like I was elevating myself to a level of unearned importance, basically. So... Because it's like the... Because usually when you kind of have a trip, you kind of feel humbled in a sense. Um, you don't you don't really like earn this kind of higher sense of self-importance. But I feel like for that trip I did. Um, so I so I don't I don't look back on it as a productive one really. Um, at, at least not not in the sense that I learned anything. Like I I became much more confident from it. Um, so there were absolutely benefits, but in, in terms of a more uh, moral sense of self, I don't look back on it fondly. So when I, when I kind of speak of this elevated importance, like, oh, I was a, I was a prince, I, it's not something I kind of, like, am proud of necessarily. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, um, so... So, yes, yeah, so I'm the, um, the frog prince in this uh, village in the, this fantastical swamp, and, uh, it feels, it's, there's a, so is, there's a divergent thing, so at one point it's kind of like, oh, well, if I'm in here, how am I also here, and then, uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, your mind comes up with the story, kind of builds out this, this myth, this fairy tale from the setting, and it's kind of like, well, the reason I'm here and not in the swamp is because there was a, a wizard or something and the king had to make a deal and send me here so the village wasn't destroyed or something. And then, uh, I, I don't know why, but then it, there was a little divergent thing where it's like, oh, well, no, actually the the village was destroyed by, I, I don't know, that, my brain kind of left that part blank. Um, it, it was a swarm of something, like, like fucking killing machines or something, I don't know. Um, and so in, the, in this vision, I was like the only survivor, and then I, I escape and I come across this, this huge, kind of like cyberpunk city, but it's still in like the middle of the swamp, and it's like self-contained within this large like cylinder that goes for like, I don't, I don't know how wide, but it's, it's massive, it's unbelievable, and it goes up high, high, very high hundreds of uh, kilometers, but it also goes down very deep. So it's like this entire city that... It's kind of like the, the ones you see in Star Wars, the the prequels, where the city just goes down very far, but also goes very high up. And it's all of these tubes that go around, like, in Futurama. It's very futuristic, and, uh... And then I, I just, like, spend my time living there. And then, uh... That's most of it. And it was, like, very weird, because it's like... On one hand, I could, like, kind of... Obviously, you... you it, when you trip and you have these visions, or you have this different idea of yourself, you kind of have this weird disconnect where you kind of... You you, you know, because... That you know you're tripping, you know that, you know, you're still grounded, but you... Simultaneously, you can, like, have that and also be in the identity of this other thing. And you could feel everything. So it's like... Like, I'm, I'm aware that I'm in bed, and I'm tripping, and I'm just myself. But, like, I'm also, like, carrying that, like, emotional burden of, like... Of, like, being someone who's, like, lived their entire life in, like, this swamp village, then having everyone they know just, like, killed. And it was, like, 
it was very upsetting, but, um... <laughs> wow. Yeah. You had a whole experience, a whole, almost a whole life. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, like, I think with, with like, a DMT trip, is like, you actually kind of, like, flesh out all those details. With this, it was, like, um, it, the details were very loose. Like, there was not as much details about, like, how everything happened and, you know, all the details of the relations within that kind of community, but, it, like, it, there was this kind of, like, overwhelming sense of kind of, like, being ripped from this in one sense or another, whether it's being torn from that and, like, placed in this world, or being, having to escape and run off to somewhere else. There, there was a sense of kind of being torn from this previous kind of community, having to start everything from the ground up in this completely alien environment. Um, yeah, and it, it was not a, a pleasant sensation to feel. Um, and uh, I, and that that kind of just fizzled out as the, because um, I think by this point, the the trip was kind of like reaching its um, peak. I think, and the rightly so, you know, the the details are kind of building. I was like kind of fleshing out this world internally, and then at some point, I feel myself kind of coming down. Like the visions become less vivid. And it's like, it, it's very upsetting because it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're fleshing out this world that you kind of like have an emotional impact, oh, an emotional connection to it. It's like, it feels like this is like the real kind of experiences you have. And then as the trip starts coming down and your ability to kind of think about it kind of starts fading away, it feels like it's being like slowly torn from you. It was like just excruciating. And, um... The way I was thinking, the thought process as I was coming down, and I think this is across the whole of Shrooms, is that the, um... And this is why I say that's why Shrooms is different from Acid. Like, with Acid, it feels like there is, like, a, a sequence of events, let's say. It, it may be disjointed, but, like, let's say I do something in this room, and then I go to this other room and do something else, and then something else happens. With, uh, that's on Acid. With Shrooms, it feels like... it. It's, like, the closest I've... The way I can really compare it to is kind of like the beginning of Anti-Oedipus, where Deleuze and Guattari talk about these kind of desiring flows that are constantly uh, flowing, and they're just producing more flows from them. That's the closest I can get. It's like this constant flows, like, cutting across. So the way I described it when I was coming down, when I was talking with my other friends, um, I said, uh, it's like a series of sentences that are just non-stop, but a new sentence starts before the current one can finish. So it's just a sentence. Before that finishes, a new one comes in, and then a new one comes in. It's just this constant flow of just things happening. You can't even really finish any thoughts properly. Um, so I'm just lying there. And so I'm coming down. So m most of the... I'm just, you know, feeling very melancholy at this point. Because, you know, like I said, it feels like I'm kind of being ripped from this... this realization of, like, a past I thought I had or something. Um, <laughs> so I'm feeling very disoriented, and then, um, and then there's kind of like this sense of paranoia that kicks in, because it's like, obviously, we're not even supposed to be at this apartment, <laughs> because it's like the middle of lockdown, so then, and like for some reason there's like a bunch of like noises like outside the apartment in what sounds like the hallway, I don't know where the fuck it would have been coming from, um, so yeah, but it feels like, yeah, so there's like a commotion happening nearby to the room 
So I'm just lying there on the bed. And then to the left, there's the, um, like I said, the window with the curtain. Uh, the curtain's covering the entire window. Um, but there's, like, light kind of coming out from the gaps. And because it's, like, taking up, like, like, it's a, it's a wide wall, and the window's covering half of it, and it's all covered. And it, like, it feels like it's, like, the, like, a window for, like, an observation room. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like, like, on the other side, like, like, there are just, like, people, like, watching or something. Even though I know there aren't. So, like, on one side, it's, like, it feels like, like I'm being observed by, like, a bunch of scientists or some shit. And then on the other side, it's like there's like noises coming from the apartment. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So I'm just kind of laying there, just in this like paralyzed in this state of paranoia. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, um, and then, you know, eventually, you know, it, it simmers down a bit. Um, and, uh,. I don't, I don't think much happened after that. I think I just chatted with my friends for a bit once I got back from uh, outside. Um, and then we got some uh, pizza and watched some uh, shitty Netflix show. I don't remember what the fuck it was called. <laughs> and then eventually my my, uh, my boyfriend swung by and uh, picked me up. Uh, but uh, on, the, on the way back uh, in the car, I felt really, really joyous. It felt, it felt like... Even though, like, even though it feels like I've described this very uh, negative. Oh shit! I just read. I missed another important part. But um, I'll, I'll get back to that after I describe this. I'll say even though it, it, a lot of the actual trip felt really upsetting, it it felt like I kind of retained the kind of like the the confidence of like the kind of like that frog prince persona because it felt like well you know if I can literally be torn from like an entire life and have to start my way up from something like like if i can fucking do that like then like real life should be fucking easy because it, it felt like it felt like i'd have it felt like i would i had that ability you know and it's like fuck yeah i got this <laughs> um but yeah i'll say mm, but um yeah I, I yeah like i said i forgot another thing i think between the um the kind of constant paranoia and um you know the pizza arriving. I had I had a weird thing where like I went to the to the bathroom. I, I just stuck in there. And if, for, for reference, it felt like I was in there for five minutes. My friends told me I was in there for twenty, but God knows. Um, um, so I was just I don't even think I used the bathroom. I think I just wanted to like sit down. Um, and I just like I was like shaking a lot. Um, so like my leg was just shaking. And I was just like started pretending I was drumming for some reason, but then it, and because I, I was like really like sweaty and like hunched over, and it felt like I was just kind of like, like my face was kind of like melting downwards, and it's like, it, it, and then like the, like the vision of like the frog thing kind of came back, but it was much more like, it felt like I was this massive like or like, beast kind of like sitting on this huge throne. Like a like a, like a god of war or something. Like the the more I kind of like did this drumming, like somehow like doing that kind of like powered like the war that was ongoing in this kind of. But like, I couldn't stop doing it. So like the more I was just kind of sitting there, just like because like I was like really cold. I was just like shaking my leg, like just up and down. And like in in that vision, it was just like I was like just constantly. Like, against why we were all just drumming and, like, causing this war to happen, it was fucked up. 
Wow, that's super interesting. I think it's it's very interesting how we're in sort of like these dream states or these unconscious states. Um, everything we do, sort of physically with our bodies and, and with our with our moods and with our orientations towards um, being, sort of feels like it's invested with this um, immense meaning and power, mm. um, which I think is very interesting. And actually, but while you were describing that story, actually. Um, and you mentioned to lose the lottery, but it, it, it part of it reminded me of like the sort of medieval feel. It reminded me of like um, uh, Deleuze and Guattari writing about like the despotic state and like um, the beginnings of codings in mm. like um, sort of like medieval times and ancient times. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, I, I think that the idea of the despotic state is I'm, I'm not I'm I, I'm not super familiar with their writings on it, but I think that. In some sense, it's probably relevant because I think the, like like I said, I established at the start. I think the the kind of political context of both my personal life and what was going on more broadly in society, I think that played a large role in how dark a lot of the visions were. <laughs> you know, this it was a very yeah. It, like I said, this was this was definitely a time that does not reflect where I'm at now, basically. But yes, no, and, and like overall, I, it was an, it was a great trip, despite what it, I know it sounds like I've just described a hellish experience, but I actually enjoyed it overall. That's you know, beautiful. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the things I love about psychedelics: how something can be horrifying but still enjoy. Yeah, it's like it's like a roller coaster. Like being on a roller coaster is scary, but like you love it, you know? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and you. And if you're strong and you can handle it, then um, then then you're good, you know. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think I I did shrimps like way too early because I think that that the intensity was like quite higher than anything I tried with acid before. But I came out pretty well overall. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Um. Do you want to tell your what's so? What's your next story then? Um, well, there's actually sort of like a perfect um, transition into it, it um, in the idea that like a trip can be really, really bad, but also um, you can end up feeling sort of like life affirmed afterwards. Um, and so this is um, the next psychedelic that I did after having done DMT, and it was shrooms. Um, it was the first time doing shrooms. I'm not going to tell the whole story because I, I think it's it is. Um, uh, this is not uh, necessarily the right the right place to tell the, the whole story. That's fine. But, you, uh, you you um you tell as much as you uh, want or need to. Perfect. Um. So, yeah. So this was while I was um this uh, this happened um while I was at school, and um um it was in my dorm room on a Tuesday night. Um, during um, during 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 school uh, school night, and I hadn't done my homework, and um, like my one of my very very close friends, who I'm still very close with, who uh, I love very much, um, he and I had wanted to do shrooms for a while, um, and we I got some some shrooms, and so we put it in some tea with uh, lemon juice to like intensify it, but um, I think we put like 2.5 grams in each, which is like a very classic sort of like beginner shroom dose. But like maybe like a little a little more intense than like just beginner, but um, yes. So we put that in, and then um, 
we we drank it but again i hadn't prepared like i had with the dmt and the vibes were maybe off just slightly um we were in my my room and it was dark and i was playing some kind of disturbing like dionysian music and stuff <laughs> what were you playing was it anything specific uh, or was it just like you chucked on like your a random youtube playlist or what I was playing um, this really disturbing Dicky Ram song, along with like White Rabbit, um, uh, the song White Rabbit by um, Jefferson Airplane, um, uh, as well as like, um, let me see what other songs was I playing, um, as well as like some of the music from Midsommar. Some of the oh, like, beautiful. Why would you? <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. why you would want to listen to that. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I was kind of like in a, in a, in a joyously dark. Right. Okay. I know. I I feel like that if if there was a list of things that I wouldn't want to listen to while high, I would say horror movie soundtrack is up there. Maybe with like Swans. I don't want to. As in the band. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the Midsummer music is like disturbing and unsettling, but also really beautiful. And you know, they take shrooms, as you know, in Midsummer. And mm. I don't know. It felt. It felt. It felt sort of. Um, Revenant, but uh, I concur. Perhaps it was not um, the most uh, intelligent uh, move for the time. Um, so we were we were listening to the music, and then he was like, "We should probably turn this off because I like, started to feel something." And I was like, "Yeah." So I turned it off. And I was like, "I feel something too." And I had the, I had a wooden cabinet in my dorm room, and I started to see the wood sort of move ever so slightly, where the patterns in the wood sort of move ever so slightly, and, and the the vibe was still fine. And um, the vibe was still fine, and then the, but a little bit weird, and then the vibe, and I had like, um, just like I had like a light in my room that I could dim with an app on my phone, and so I like dimmed it and stuff, and um, and it was pretty dark, um, and then the vibe started to shift and feel weird, and the shadows started moving on the walls, and um, and um, communication with my friends sort of got kind of fractured and we were like having trouble communicating with each other there's like a moment a couple moments of like euphoria like this is happening like we're going somewhere like something is happening but then um, communication started started to get weird and um we couldn't like <laughs> we couldn't like socially like communicate with each other um this was also sort of we're very we're much closer now I would say than we were then so maybe that wasn't the best time to do that um, and um, he's very into Nietzsche as I am as well and we had all of our conversations up to that point a lot of them had been about like sort of the darker side of Nietzsche so I sort of sort of um, uh, we both sort of kind of um, felt maybe like a little bit threatened uh, by the other like or like each in like kind of a vulnerable position because we've been talking about some very dark master morality slave morality um, um, sort of a br brutal um, you know the strong eat the weak sort of stuff mm. uh, and um, <laughs> and so yeah and so then then you know maybe probably 45 minutes into it I was like um, I was like um, I was like could you please like leave my room? I'm gonna go to sleep. And he was like, I'm kind of. He was like, he told me like, I'm kind of freaked out. Like, I don't really want to leave. And I was like, oh, well, I'm freaked out too. And I kind of just like want you to leave. So he was, and he was like, I have like a knife in my room, but I'm like worried I'm gonna cut myself. And I was like, ah. So I was like, you should call like a friend, like, cause he had like a friend to floor up. And he was like, okay, well. So I made sure that he like called his friend. His friend came down to be with him, so that so he and he wasn't suicidal or anything, but he was just freaked out and like kind of skits out. And he was like, ah, 
um, and I was like really freaked out because I'm super paranoid. And so I like I he left my room and I locked locked my door and I was like looking through like the the peephole <laughs> into the hallway, like and the hallway had just like this these fluorescent lights and it just had this horrible, terrible, um, terrifying vibe. Um, you know, like there was just like you know something really horrible, like you know fucking like you know dead children from like um, Eastern Europe or something like that that had, were like just out of sight like you know littering the floors of the like that was the feeling that I had and I was terrified and then I started to see the shapes of like tigers and beasts of prey like along my walls in the shadows and I, I felt like I was like I had this very strong image in my mind that I was like a little bloody rabbit in the middle of like a briar patch surrounded by tigers who were like starving and who were stalking me and um, I just I just felt like whole holy shit like um, the world is such a terrifying brutal place and there are predators out to get me constantly and um, we're in such a state of immense vulnerability all the time and you know our brains trick us into thinking that we're safe and I, I became terrified like and like I was like shaking um, and like and like and like crying and I uh, I was in, but like silently because I didn't want like anyone to hear because it was like they're gonna kill me if they hear and so um <laughs> and so i i was like curled in the fetal position like on my bed like like with my back like against like the corner of the walls and um this was like 2 a.m and i had class the next day of course um, and i ended up staying like that like unable to sleep until like maybe 10 a.m in the morning um and i just missed my my first class that day and then at 10 a.m i started to feel a little bit better and i went out and i ate something and i i reached out to my friend he, he was doing okay um and um and, and then you know i was like thinking to myself i'm never ever gonna do uh, shrooms again um you know right when i went out and got breakfast but then by the time i was back in my room i was like you know what that was a great experience i'm totally gonna do shrooms again even if it's terrifying like because i really felt like it was a visceral experience mm. of, of part of the nature of reality yeah i think uh, that that yeah. like even even if the experiences aren't great, like I do I do enjoy them because because they are so visceral and unique. You know, you're kind of experiencing yeah. something intense, and uh, I, I, yeah. I I I absolutely relate to the to the thing of like immediately afterwards being like, yeah, I think I'm gonna lay off the drugs, and then like a few hours later, it's like actually nah. <laughs> yeah, 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 and like a big part of that feeling for me too is just sort of like. The fact that like it's not about the substance being divine or the insight or that the images necessarily being true but it's about like it connecting to some sort of truth mm. like about being but i felt very strongly and i was like well you know that was a great experience to be able to just really connect aesthetically and experientially mm. to this sort of philosophical truth yeah you know, that i've sort of known but like um Another thing that I forgot was like actually like at like maybe three or four a.m. I had to I had to go uh, to the bathroom really badly. I just had to, like pee really badly, and um, so I uh, I braved the hallway like the terrifying hallway. It was awful. I was super terrified, and um, and then also my friend was like stalking around in the hallway like at, like four to five a.m. <laughs> Which is like terrifying. Oh my god! Um, and he and apparently the hallway was freaking him out too. That he was like, I'm gonna master it. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm so I'm so surprised. Like literally, the next day we cried about it. We reconnected really closely, and then didn't like our friendship at all, which I think is great. Yeah, that's. 
so it was it was a terrifying trip, but it, it, overall it was uh, more beneficial than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe you know beneficial in in the chance sense. You know, yeah. <laughs> what doesn't what doesn't uh, it's just such an overused cliche quote, but you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, mm. The pain. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think if my my friend and I were different people, um, well, maybe that's a that's a retarded hypothetical. But if my friend and I were different people, we certainly would not have been strong enough to maintain our friendship and become better friends mm. after that. Well, I mean, if you were different people, you probably wouldn't have had that trip, though. That that's true. That's true. Because because it was like very there was a disjunction between us. Like it was, we were both terrified, and. Um, we both became like suspicious of each other in that moment of terror. Mm. Uh, I think because of just just the situation and the vibes and stuff. Um, I think if we did it again now, um, it would be very very different. Mm. Uh, yeah, but we're both um, sort of um, dark, uh, maybe slightly unhinged, maybe slightly unsafe people. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm glad that it was a. Uh... I guess a bonding experience then. Yeah, me as well. Mm. Me as well, absolutely. All right. Um, I agree. Well, in that case, I think I can. Uh, I want to move into my third, and uh, this will be the final one I'm sharing because I'm gonna only do three. Um, if you want to do a third one after, go for it. But um, up to you. I don't. I don't know how many you want to do. Um, okay. So this this is my most recent one. Um, this happened in um, late late May, I want to say. Um, so for some context, um, as I've kind of established or alluded to in the uh, previous two episodes of the uh, uh, podcast, um, I've uh, been experiencing feelings for about a year that I would kind of classify as uh, gender dysphoric in some sense or another. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty much most of the context you need to know. Um, but but at, at the time of the trip, I hadn't really uh, done much about it, you know, aside from buying some uh, some clothes I just cross-dressed in my spare time with. Um, so anyway, I'm at this party. This is at my, um, my friend's apartment. Um, it's a few rooms. There's a, a main... Live, a main uh, you come in, there's like a small kitchen... And then that comes into a larger living room, and then off to the side there's a couple of bedrooms and a bathroom. Um, so you, the deal with this party is also usually there's like some lights set up, and one of my friends uh, usually he'll uh, into one of the bedrooms he brings these large like um, like inflatable like the like toys you see at the pool like pool toys, and like I'm I'm not talking like like small ones I'm talking like fucking like the those like novelty ones that are, like like two meters long or something. Like very big ones of like uh, like leopards and stuff like that. Um, so there's a couple of those in one of the rooms, and I, I'll say right now that getting to lounge on one of those while high on acid is like one of the best feelings in the world. I'm just telling you right now. Like if hands down, if you ever down, if you ever down in Sydney, and one of these comes along, I'm dragging you along and I'm making you do that. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yes. So um, so that's just the the general vibe and um. Like the, the, these are the friends who are hosting it are very um I I, I I don't want to call them hippie but like they've got like kind of like mystic themed wall art and stuff um 
which is like cool to look at and all that. And they've got like some like, crystals on their shells. You know, they got it's like the it's the kind of vibe you want to have. You know, when you're tripping at a party, it's just very peaceful, laid back. Um, so for this, um, this is a initially we uh, so we go to the um, as a group we, we go to see um, a comedian live um, before we start even tripping because um, there's, there's a British comedian called Ross Noble who uh, his wife is Australian I think so he has a visa so he comes here on a fairly frequent basis so you know we we all go out to uh, see him at like uh, 7 p.m. or something. Uh, fantastic show. Highly recommended if you ever get the chance. He, he improvises most of his show on on stage. It's great. Um, anyway, so we, so we get back to the to the house at like um, 9:30 p.m. I think. And like for context, I, I originally I wasn't even going to be tripping because the day after I think was a Mother's Day, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to I want to be there in the morning, you know. But then I find out that, I mean, my brother is, uh, is, like, sleeping over somewhere, so he's not going to be in the morning anyway, so it's just like, alright, I may as well. Um, so, you know, I get there, and, uh, I get there a bit early because my friend who usually supplies acid lives downstairs, and, uh, you know, I decide, you know what, I got, um, other stage tomorrow, right? so I'll just have a light one, I'll just have a light one. Um, because, like, I know his stuff isn't, like I said, isn't super strong. So I said, you know, I'll just have a, a chill trip, so, you know, I'll just be relatively normal in the morning. So I get there, I get, get one of him, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's a it's a, a fresh batch, should be pretty good. I'm like, oh, okay. So so already I'm kind of like, alright, this is going to be a little more stronger than I uh, anticipated. Um, and also I, I assumed that it was like, bring your own, I hadn't really heard anything about the details. So anyway, so we get, so you know, I keep that in my bag, and you know, we get back from the show, and, you know, it's like, alright, everyone, you know, gets ready to trip. So, you know, I get my tab out, and then <laughs> one of the other people there is like, it turns out they brought tabs to, like, hand out to other people. So it's like, oh, so I didn't even need to get this tab in the first place. Um, so they're offering stuff around, and like, oh, do you want one? And I'm just like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> so, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll have one. So now I've got... So initially, I, I... So just to clarify, initially, like, prior to arriving, I was like, I, I will have a chill trip with one tab that I know is going to be f probably pretty weak, and then by the time I actually am ready to trip, it's like we're having two full-powered tabs. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was under the impression that I would be fine, because I'd have I'd had two proper high-quality tabs before, and I'd had a family event the next day that I fared fine at, so I was not uh, concerned whatsoever. I thought, it's just going to be a standard trip, I'll just enjoy myself. Um, <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I was fully aware that it was more than I intended, but it, I was also under the impression I've done this amount before. I should be fine. Um, of course, of course, and you need to fucking live your life, to fucking do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally, I might have even like. At the thing that was initially going to be in August, I was thinking about bumping up to three, but that's not happening. <laughs> um, because it's being postponed. Um, not, not because I don't want to do three. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I, you know, I take the. Uh, so it's like I think it's like ten o'clock by the time we actually, or well, like nine thirty, ten o'clock. So it's pretty pretty late at this point. Um, and actually, now that I think about, it, that's probably another reason why this was. A lot more intense than the other one is because 
being more tired makes the trip a lot worse for you because your brain is very tired. Um, that's why you're much more likely to have a bad trip at night because your brain is tired and like fighting to stay awake. Um, but anyway, so I take the uh, the two tabs and you know I'm just lounging around for like 15 minutes. So I'm gonna go hang in the room that has the big uh, pool toys and just you know lounge around there. And you know I'm just chilling there and I I, start, I feel it start creeping in. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it's... Because uh, at this point, this is like my... This is the most recent one, but it's like my seventh, maybe sixth, like, acid trip. So like, I, I like I know the routine by now, you know? There, there aren't really any surprises on the come up, really. It's like, I'm just like, alright, I'm just, I'm just gonna let it, let it, let it happen, <laughs> you know? Um... But yeah, you know, at some point I just end up just lounging on the floor <laughs> in the doorway. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I mean, like apart from the um, a particular event that I will describe in detail, most of this was very nondescript because it was so fairly straightforward. Um, so I, aside from um, something I'll get to, I don't really have too much to say about this. But um, anyway, so the point is. Um, I think a few hours in, maybe, um, I'm, I'm chilling in the, um, the, the, the inflatable room, <laughs> and, um, I have this, um, very, very strange sensation washing over me, where I feel very, um, <laughs> I want, I, I want to say, like, I, it's not necessarily the right word, but very, like, sexualized in a way. I don't know if that's... Yeah, it's weird. Um, I like... this very much... this kind of sense of very much being... presenting like feminine, kind of. Um, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So, there's kind of like, um... So I'm just, I'm just like, okay, you know, I just kind of like lean into this, because you know it feels pretty good. Um, and you know, when, when you're an ass, you kind of like... Um, you're kind of able to like mentally kind of like zoom out and kind of like look at yourself or think about yourself from like the outside. Mm -hmm. So like I'm doing that for like probably just a few minutes, <clears throat> and then I kind of have this um this realization that as I'm doing this, the way I'm thinking about myself is like uh, thinking about myself as like referring to myself as if I were female, basically. And like for 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 most people, you know, this would be. Oh, you know, it's just acid making me, you know, playing around with my sense of self. Um, but as, as someone who has uh, been having these just for thoughts, thoughts on and off for a year, uh, th this is obviously a lot different because it, it's kind of like this realization. Or what, what again? This is this is the problem of kind of like applying meaning onto a trip in real time. Um, is that my my interpretation of it could be entirely misplaced, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly, this is why this is why we have uh, like that suspicious sort of slightly suspicious um, you know, thought thought of the interpretation. Mm. But, um... Just of, of psychedelic. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, so I kind of like, I have this uh, realization um, of that, like, like I'm thinking to myself as a girl and like subconsciously I'm like I because then for like 
my immediate interpretation is that, like, oh, well, if I'm, like, subconsciously thinking about myself as a girl, that means I must subconsciously think I am one. And then, and then there's kind of, like, a gap. And then that, like, um, my mind, like, immediately kind of, like, draws the line between that and the dysphoria thing, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> and then just immediately, it feels just like it's being, like, like hit by a truck. <laughs> like, it, it, it's like the feeling of, like, kind of brushing off, like, a realization, kind of, like, brushing it under the rug for a while, and then, like, or, or just kind of, like, Actually, no, I'll still give a better metaphor. It's like, let's say you have a bunch of dirty shit, and you, you put it in, like, a closet, basically. And eventually you put so much stuff in there that it can't all fit in, and then it just bursts open and you get just uh, drowned in all the stuff that you were shoving in there. That is the equivalent of what I would say that that moment of initial realization is. And then the, 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 the part that kind of struck me the most is that kind of realizing that you would you would expect that it would be liberating in a sense to kind of have that kind of realization about yourself but that was absolutely not the case i think the 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 immediate um reaction was that i didn't want it to be true <laughs> which oh, which was yeah and i think that that part stuck with me the most because it was like like i'd explicit because it felt like i'd explicitly been shown something like this is what you are, and it, like, the immediate reaction is like, well, I don't want it to be true. And it's like, well, if it took me this long to be shown that it is the case, then maybe me not wanting to be true is part of why it took so long? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but, like, obviously once, like, you know, once the wave kicks in, you know, there's like, a, there's like a mix of positive and negative thoughts, obviously. It wasn't like a a wave of wholly negative emotion, but it, it did strike me that the immediate first thought was that negative one. Um, but yeah, no, it was a. Uh, it it was definitely vividly dysphoric in a much more strong sense than anything I had felt up to that point. Um, it was. <laughs> So yeah, no, and then, um, and I didn't even speak to anyone else at the party about it, because obviously I was still processing it, and I wasn't even sure how to even begin, um, that, so I just kind of, like, again, like I said, it was, aside from that, the one thing, it was a fairly generic kind of experience, you know, I just kind of, like, went through the motions, just, you know, going into different rooms, looking at the lights and stuff, just, you know, having these disjointed conversations with other people, but just like the entire time, just kind of having that nagging thought at the back of my head that I just kind of like have stumbled across this this realization, and it's just like okay, I, I have to either live with this or do something about it, basically. Um, so I'm just kind of just like, yeah. So I, I I don't really have much to say. I think also I don't really remember much else about the party. Precisely because I think I was so preoccupied with that. I do remember I did bring my copy of um, Bataille's Visions of Excess and Fangnamina, which I f flicked through a bit. Um, <laughs> Fangnamina is always fun to flick through because, for some reason, whenever they, whenever I'm flicking through it really quickly, um, like I don't actually pick up on the actual text. It just looks like um, you know, you know, at the start of the Matrix with all those like flickering symbols that just are constantly changing between stuff. 
Yeah. It just looks like that. So it looks like I put like the the cyberpunk Necronomicon or something. And then, you know, yes. once I actually start like staring at it intensely, I can read it. Um, with Bataille, it's it's more it it it's it's got a very different book. Cause I I've shown you that it's a very just like a thick uh, black leather bound cover. You know, it's a that that felt like um no, but Bataille's book actually holding that it, it felt like a religious text really. Cause it kind of I get it's kind of got that like Bible aesthetic kind of almost. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, but yeah, so um. I don't really have too much to say about the rest of the main body of the trip. Um, I, you know, eventually I just kind of, you know, got up and went home. Um, as you know, listened to music on the way home. I think I've mentioned to you on the Twitter DMs. Uh, I was listening to like uh, Crest on the way home, and I almost cried on the train while listening to Chaos Follows. Uh, and um, I think I also put on uh, Yeses. Red Cross a bit as well. I think that's that's my favorite song from the album. Um, yeah, it's an incredible song, and I think that it, it's power. Mm. Most of that experience yeah. is, uh, is absolutely uh, evident. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, that, that was the uh, coming down was just like listening to Blady and Echo 2K on the train and trying not to cry. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so then I literally, most of the day, I just kind of let... let uh, laid in bed just kind of like talking to other people about it and um yeah that was the um that was kind of when i made the decision to um you know do something about it um and i've actually uh, got my first counseling session for it on tuesday so <sighs> yeah so i'm as a result of that acid trip i'm finally making progress on uh, whatever the fuck is going on with me uh and uh yeah um, that's pretty much all the, uh, the, the important details about the trip. You know, I, I was hoping to kind of, um, revisit some of those, some of that on the, uh, the trip I was supposed to have in, like, a week from now that isn't happening anymore, but, uh, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have ended up doing that anyway, because, you know, they, they, nev they never go how you expect them to go. Something comes up, and it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be the trip now, I guess. Um, but yes, that is my most recent trip. Um, it's the last one I'll be sharing for this podcast. Um, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, I think, uh, I think it's, um, I really, I appreciate you sharing. And, um, I think that our, our listeners also appreciate you sharing. Um, and I, I, of course, have talked to you about this before, but I think, I think it's powerful to share this. Um, yeah, I wanted to actually ask, I read, um, I think it's pronounced, uh, Hercule Barbon by, uh, Foucault. Um, Foucault has a really interesting, um, book about, um, uh, a French, uh, trans woman that, that's really good that I'm, I'm gonna, uh, that I've read parts of, but I'm going to read, uh, the full book. Um, and I actually bought a copy of the book today. Oh, so nice. Let me know how it is, because I, I, I will be straight up and say that I have not uh, read much of Foucault, but I think as we kind of established in the first episode, that's mostly because I've kind of been turned off his work by what other people did with it, rather than what yeah. he actually did, which, I mean... Yeah. Which, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, that's like 
Hostash, you know, I should, probably should judge him on what he actually did rather than what people did with him, but I think at the same time, yeah. I don't think that's an entirely irrational thing to do. If, like, if like most people who use his, who lean on his work are basically just, like, if it's mostly people like, um, <coughs> like, uh, Judith Butler, it, like, if, like, most of the people who, like, do stuff with his work is people like that, like, I don't think it's an entirely irrational thing for me to kind of avoid his work, you know? Like, yes, it's certainly something that needs to be addressed, but I think it's... I think I could, I could draw a similar comparison between, like, Nietzsche and the Nazis. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah, not, yeah. Not a, it's not an irrational... Uh, it's not an irrational, you know, an entirely irrational decision to... Yeah. associate the Nazis, but, like... But also, like, if you really, really read Nietzsche very closely, you, you'll you understand that he's actually not associated with the Nazis oh, at all. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, I mean... But it was necessary for, for the tie to write, like, in defense of Nietzsche. Yeah. Back I'm, in, like, the 30s. So, the, the, yeah. the only quibble I would have with that is that, um, I, I feel like the use of Nietzsche is, um, is more broad than Foucault's. I think that like, most philosophers under the sun will draw upon Nietzsche in some capacity, whereas I think Foucault, his, uh, his influence is more in kind of the more concentrated in kind of the Butler-esque kind of thinkers. But again, that's uh, that's speaking yeah. as someone who's not very familiar with, you know, that field of uh, philosophy as much. Um, but no, I, 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 I absolutely agree in as much as I think that it, it is... I think it is somewhat a mistake to kind of dismiss uh, Foucault um, because of what people have done with him, but uh, again, it's not something that is entirely irrational, but it's also not something I will actively defend. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I, what, what I, I think is like, uh, uh, Deleuze writes about how like Nietzsche confounds all codes and they're like how they're like um, for for to lose their like revolutionary, uh, bourgeois and fascistic codes, you know, uh, appearing and throughout Nietzsche's work um, as sort of like forces that like sort of um, emerge and cross like across across his work. He so his work is sort of like um, uh, a field of like exterior forces, mm -hmm. um, and I think I think that that's probably a, a, a key reason why um, you have so many different different um intense uh, Nietzsche interpretations but with with Foucault Foucault is certainly very different from Nietzsche but he's, he's very he's incredibly intelligent and incredibly subtle and he makes really um beautiful nuanced um works and and and, and points in his works and and like I said I think in our first episode I think that there's a strong case to be made for a right-wing Foucault um and I think that that could be part of maybe a defense of Foucault against the Judith Butler types. Also, also, um, just to highlight the point of my comparison, what I'm saying basically is that uh, Judith Butler is a Nazi. Um, <laughs> this is uh, the official view of um, of Quirk Angelic. <laughs> 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 Judith Butler is a Nazi. I I, I, I um I'm I'm willing to endorse that sentiment, um, semi ironically, just because I don't like her very much. <laughs> But, um... <laughs> Alright. Uh... Yeah. No, but, um... But, yeah. Yeah, I, um... I'm, I'm 
I'm looking forward to to you potentially uh, reading reading some Foucault mm-hmm. um, and seeing what you think. Yeah, but yeah, um, his, his work has certainly been um, adopted by lots of um, charlatans and sickos. A bunch of unmentionables. But, uh, yeah, you know. But um, uh, as as Land says in the Thirst for Annihilation um, about a Bataille, Bataille, about the uh, the poverty of Bataille scholarship, he says um, he asks them. Well, must we nurture another limping dwarf? Uh, <laughs> and I, I would like to apply that as well to Foucault scholarship. Uh, to Foucault scholars out there, um, must you must you nurture another limping dwarf? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, do you want to? Are you going to share another experience and then we'll wrap things up, or what do you want to do? Um, yeah, yeah, I might share my more recent experience just sort of sort of as a wrap-up, perhaps. Um, Alright, yeah, because we're, because, like, we're going to be, like, capping in over two hours for this, so. Absolutely. So, so, okay, so, uh, my third psychedelic experience was another shroom trip, and that was, like, that was last weekend, um, and, um, I actually uh, was given the shrooms by a milady, uh, so milady supremacy, of course. Uh, but that's a given. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, uh, I had a very stre- it was on, on a Saturday. Kind of had a stressful day. Had a lot of a lot of um, work that I had to do, and then sort of uh, I had I had a friend that was gonna um, come with me, and. Um, we met up and it took us a while to get the shrooms and then we ended up just driving out to the mountains late. So we ended up like uh, arriving sort of in the area where we were um, going to camp uh, high up in the mountains um, at like maybe like 7 p.m. Sun was supposed to set at like 8.30 p.m. Um, but then uh, we couldn't find a spot that we liked for camping because we didn't want to be around a bunch of other people and also like close to the road. And so we, we drove down this really, really sketchy road like in the mountains that was made of gravel and had like had like tons of potholes everywhere i think from logging trucks and um, the, some of the potholes were like I, I kid you not like four feet deep so my car would like would like slam down to the potholes and come back up jesus um, <laughs> like and i was like i definitely like scratched up like the bottom of the side of my car and i really wanted to go fast because i wanted to get there before it was dark so we could take the shrooms so we could set up our tent and take the shrooms but also like going fast i could tell that it was gonna like really hurt my car and so we were going slowly and it was like a, it was like a like a five mile we were like five miles along this road but it took us like 40 minutes jesus um, yeah and um, and there were there were parts of the road. The road was like a one car wide road. So occasionally a car would come by, and we would like pull over to the side, and that car would like sort of move over to the side and pass us. And um, um, there were, but there were parts of the road that were like along the edges of massive cliffs, um, with like no guardrail. It was it was very sketchy, like with the potholes. Um, but eventually we found this site in this beautiful lake, and there were a few other people camping there, um, which felt good because. I don't know. We we didn't want to be like on shrooms, like in the middle of the forest, like miles away from anyone else, you know, just in case, like because there are bears in the forest. Right. Everything. Yeah. Um, but we also didn't want to be super close to people. Just you know. You want that good want that good distance, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so we found a good spot. Um, 
sort of in the trees, which felt like kind of protected. And we, we took out our tent, and then I realized that the tent didn't have any poles with it. Um, so we couldn't set up the tent. So that was the first, that was a, another sort of a, um, uh, obstacle that we ran into. So what we ended up doing was putting the tent on the ground and put our sea legs on top of the tent. And then we went down to the lake and took a bunch of driftwood to build a fire because we wanted to build a fire. And um, that was kind of stressful because there wasn't very much wood. But we built a fire and then we took the shrooms. And then I went over and I borrowed them. Um, I took a, a big piece of cardboard that I had and I lit it on fire at one of like our, our neighboring um, camp campers' fires. And I carried it back over and it was like a torch. In the, the in the coming darkness, um, and it was becoming dark. Carried it over, put it put it over, and, and lit our fire. And then um, and then we took the shrooms, um, and then um, we just sort of like thought our sleeping bags, and then we're there. And it we felt it felt very open and kind of terrifying to just be like under the trees. And then it slowly started to kick in. We were looking at like the branches above us, like moving slightly in the breeze, and they started to sort of see patterns in the branches, of course. Um, and then uh, we started to trip very hard. I started talking a lot about philosophy, um, but I was trying to also be careful and not talk too much because this friend of mine is an old friend and I like him a lot and he's very intelligent, but he's not like super in philosophy, so I didn't want to like overwhelm him. Um, and this was the first time doing shrooms. We took probably about like 2.5 grams each. So right, yeah. <coughs> classic, classic. The classic. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually brought like a lemon for like lemon juice, but we didn't have like a knife or a cup. So we both like bit into the opposite side of the leather <laughs> after the <this trip. laughs> So it was it was very much like we were bootstrapping this experience. But, yeah, and so um I actually I didn't take notes or record myself, which I kinda of felt like I should have. because um, I don't actually remember a, a, a lot of it. A lot of some of the ideas that I, I felt like I had a lot of ideas at the time. But um we saw the fire, and um, we he turned my friend turned on like his phone flashlight and put it like up so we could see the trees, and then that was kind of terrifying because we realized the tree branches were like kind of close to us, and they felt kind of a little bit malevolent. Mm. And I felt like I kept seeing like creatures or entities, like or beings or feeling like, the presence of beings like among the trees, and I was thinking a lot about like the jungle and the cyberspace jungle specifically, or the the jungle of the spiritual world and sort of. And sort of also the connection between that and like sort of like being, um, being, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, weak, frail primates um, in the ancient jungles. Um, and I just felt a very intense connection between like our ancient past as a species, our biological past, um, sort of the nature of like the spiritual realm and the nature of um, cyberspace. It's sort of like almost like all the same thing. Mm. Um, and I was ranting about the real and synthetic a priori thought. <laughs> and how synthetic a priori thought is like um, outside the outside coming in. Um, uh, and then the stars came out. We could see them like through, through the trees. Oh, how like how far away from the um, like the the nearest city would this be? This was like about like an hour outside of right. the city. Right. Because like yeah. Like, light pollution fucks up so much shit, like, like not to derail, because I think, like, light pollution is this whole other thing, so I won't speak on it too much, but, like, I went up to, um, my, like, when I was with my partner, we went, um, to his hometown, which is, like, out in the, uh, the country, it's, like, several hours drive in, inland, and, like, 
on the first night there, like, I looked up at the stars, and, like, because, like, usually I live pretty close to the city, but to, like, see the sky with, like, without all that light pollution, without all that artificial light, it was, like, unbelievable. It was like seeing the, the, the stars again for the first time. So, I'm, I'm like, wondering, like, if it was like that, you know? But... Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was like that. But, um, you know, I'd been in, in the mountains before backpacking, and there was a night when I was uh, in the spring, a few years ago, when I was out in the mountains backpacking. And at that uh, that that night, I'll never forget, that's the most stars I've ever seen. You could see the Milky Way. Wow. Like, crystal clear. And it was just incredible. It was, like, just, like, light uh, in, in gradients across the sky. It was it was fantastic. And this wasn't that that many stars, but there were quite a few stars that we could see, which was cool. And then the, tr the trees were sort of um, almost like blurred sort of into the stars at the tops of the trees. Wow. Um, which were like moving in the wind. It was very beautiful. And um, I sort of felt, I felt, I felt um, moments of sort of fear or slight, the slight rising of terror. But I also felt okay. Um, like we were in our sleeping bags there, and uh, there were people relatively nearby, and it didn't. I didn't. It didn't become a bad trip or anything um, at all. But I definitely felt. I felt the same sense of sort of. I felt the, an echo of that, uh, you know, terror that I had felt in my, in my previous group trip. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then something else that I realized, like I, I was. There were a couple moments where I was getting very, very uh, afraid. And I like I wanted to pray, but then my friend, my friend, he's like an old friend from high school. I hadn't seen him in a while, and he's pretty, um, pretty normal and like secular. And um, um, I didn't really want to like share the vulnerability of praying with him. So I like got in my sleep. I was like, I told him like I said I'm gonna pray, and I like got in my sleep and I was like praying quietly to myself. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I also was I also was playing like a lot of Blade on the way out, and he's not super into Blade. He says that Blade is fine, but he's not like super into Blade. What what tracks uh, you bumping? You bumping a uh, Crest, presumably, or just Crest? Just Crest. It's I'll always Crest. <laughs> and then the next morning, the next morning we woke up. At, so we ended up deciding we were gonna go to bed at like twelve, at like midnight. But we were still tripping really hard, and so I don't think either of us fell asleep until like maybe. Um, 3 or 4 a.m. and then we both woke up at like 6 a.m. for bird song and we're not tripping anymore and we like got up packed and left immediately and um, I played like the fool while we were driving out um, and he wasn't super deflated either way, either, either way but but um, I think that it was a beautiful vibe like in the morning driving out listening to the fool and um, going over all the potholes and um, and I asked him a few times like um, are you like let me know if you want the ox and he, he was fine with me playing blade so mm. i was gonna play fucking blade <laughs> that's, that's not like a good experience yeah it was great it was great and we definitely me and, me and my friend definitely connected really well but um something that i missed for sure was like the the um taking them really in the light and really um having some some questions or, or sort of um um, some some questions to ask or sort of something that I wanted to explore and to try to document mm. about it. But I think that's what I'm going to do when I'm going to take the um, the rest of the shrooms that I that I have. I I've been think I've been feeling very torn though between like taking them in the ocean um, and like having like a very personal like beautiful um, sort of divine experience uh, versus taking them in in downtown 
um, and so that I can see all the techno capital. Mm. Um, be amazing. I feel very torn, and this is sort of a place where I'm at philosophically as well. Feeling very torn between um, um, uh, the deterritorialization and the divine. I mean, I think the deterritorialization and divine are just kind of different variations on the same theme, honestly. Perhaps, I think that there, there are definitely connections between them, but mm. there are also just differences. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that I think that I think I think it's a really important and difficult question. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's more than one type of deterritorialization. I think there's uh, good and bad types. I would say, but I don't really know if I'm in a well, a place to make that distinction. Value yeah, yeah. I, was, that, I feel I feel like I, I feel like. I, I knew that might set you off a bit, but I think I, I think at the very least, I, I think I think it's reasonable to I think it's reasonable to say that that, that there are certain deterritorialization, deterritorializing processes I prefer over other deterritorializing processes. Really, I don't think that's a yes, yes, that's fine as long as you uh, admit that perhaps um, your value judgments may be, be clouded by uh, human. Um, yeah. Anthropomorphic social subjectivity. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is, I think, what we discussed in the, towards the end of the last one, is that, that I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant, I'm more hesitant than you on the issue of deterritorialization purely because I feel like there should be an element of choice in that, which, e even if that means it's two people wanting to be deterritorialized, if they want to be deterritorialized in different ways, then I think those wishes should be respected, although the practicality of whether that can be arranged uh, remains to be seen, but that is ideally what I would like to happen. So I'm not, I'm certainly not opposed to deterritorialization, but I think that uh, uh, universal, unconditional, I think, is, is not the way that I would personally go about it, because I think that, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's sweet, and I think that, um, I think that the land fissure disjunction is very good yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's like it's like the end, the end of even it's like the end of Evangelion, you know. It's like the where everyone kind of you know melts together into the to the orange juice, and then the uh, you know pe I, I, people I, I, have a choice I, I, to kind of leave I, that ocean, to, you know. Wait, no, 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 no. I, I have to admit uh, something very um, in, uh, uh, sick and sad, which is that I haven't finished Evangelion yet. So I, please do not spoil. Okay, well, I, look, I'm, I, I won't spoil it, um, because uh, I haven't actually... I'll say, first off, I haven't even watched uh, Evangelion, and second, there's, like, three endings anyway, so, like... Okay. Because the end of Evangelion is, like... I, th I think it's supposed to be an alternate ending to the TV show, or it's, like, supposed to happen at the same time as the last two episodes. And then there's also the, the new remake movies, which have a completely different ending as well. Um, uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably not uh, spoiling too much about uh, End of Evangelion because, like, I think that it, it's one of the, it's like the uh, everyone vaguely knows. And, and okay, okay. And, and, I'm blocking my ears. Okay. I'm blocking my ears. Uh, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm poisonous words. Don't worry. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I vaguely described some of the plot, but I'm not going to describe any of the actual uh, character bits that kind of make up the ending. Um, <laughs> um, but like, um, um, you know, when you first said that, I had the I had the urge to say, I don't believe in human rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe that's a bit of a political thing. Well, I mean, 
I do think it's more nuanced than that, for for sure, and that's an ongoing question for me is whether um, whether whether I will let my um, my 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 uh, my empathy um, grow or not. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm very um, wary of becoming a transcendental miserableist. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, as my father uh, always says constantly, again and again, ad nauseum, whenever I mention deterritorialization, he says, um, he says, um, some of my closest friends are human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, that is such a you quote. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what my dad <laughs> I mean, well, I can see where you get it from then. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, thank you. yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> my parents have never said that. <laughs> well, that, that's because um, um, I share some of my philosophical um, sort of thought um, or request. Or what what I'm reading and what I'm digesting with with my dad um, because he's he's semi open to it. Mm -hmm. So so I can't I can't share it with my mother because it like freaks her out. <laughs> it freaks my dad out too, but like I think he can handle it. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think that um, all all that being said, even regarding our kind of divergent visions of the future, I think that. I think we're both in agreement that I think psychedelics will play some role in that. Yes, absolutely, and I, um, I also I appreciate um, our divergence um, in thought. I think it's very productive and, and interesting. Yeah, yeah, because like, I think that even even if I am not as like pro unconditional kind of deterritorialization or transcending of the human as you are, I I have like a. <laughs> A, a weird relation with it where I kind of like weirdly respect it where it's just like yeah. it's like that's like, like that's a cool thing it's like not what I'm into but it's like I think that I'm just like drawn even if I don't like agree with all of it I'm like very often drawn to kind of the weirder or more experimental or fringe philosophy regardless and I think that you kind of embody that in a sense but you do it in a very intelligent way you know and I think that you know we, we bounce off each other pretty well as well, so that's good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's uh, that really touches me, and I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate um, I appreciate your more grounded um, uh, human uh, perspective mm -hmm. and uh, the importance with a very sharp intelligence. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Really, that really enables uh, enables you to, to uh, challenge me to sharpen yeah. uh, my, my own ideas and my own positions as well as like really you you demand uh, intellectual, intellectual respect and um, I can't I can't yeah no no really good absolutely yeah because like I, I I don't come from like a perspective of like unconditional like humanism or anthro anthropocentrism because like I don't I think that I don't I'm kind of like semi semi aligned with like the the object oriented ontology thing and that I, I don't think like the the human is kind of like the or at least it shouldn't be like the default perspective and it certainly shouldn't be 
assumed that that it is the final stage of evolution for our kind of lineage. I think there are other perspectives, there are things beyond that, but at the same time, I don't kind of... I don't, I don't kind of view that necessarily as, like, inherently a kind of uh, a, a jumping board for kind of the... the more kind of messed out Landian anti-humanist stuff. I think there is kind of like... And again, I'm, if people want to do that, that's fine, and I do have, like, a respect for it, but I think that there... That's not the only path. I think there needs to be a divergence of different ways of thinking about this. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Certainly agree with you on that. Mm. And I think, uh, I think a, there are a lot of these uh, hard questions that are unanswered. Yeah. Look at like the original lyrical that like like clarifies so very explicitly the definition of acceleration is not about taking acceleration or believing in humans' a gentle ability to or human the ability of human agents to enact acceleration, but it's it's simply about observing the process. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Know the process. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's yeah. like it's not it's not a sense of whether it like. The question of whether I want acceleration or not is irrelevant. It's happening. <laughs> that's the way it is. Um, I, I also, I, I think, I think that's also probably a good place to, uh, to wrap up then. Your phone is a C-I-D